Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Jose. And today's episode is The Haunt is On, one of my favorite pun titles in quite a while. We're going to be uh, talking about Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon and sharing our full impressions of the game later in the show, hence the, uh, hence the title. We're also going to be giving impressions of Harmonite. But before we get to all that, there's a variety of news to discuss. We're going to kick things off with a look at um, a possible shift in how Nintendo's working with third parties. We're going to talk about some new Miiverse stuff that's on the way, a bunch of new game news, including some late-breaking uh, Pokemon X and Y news, and yeah, it's, 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 it's a fair amount, so shall we jump right in? Why not? Alright, so um, we'll kick off Game Developers Conference was this past week, and uh, it seems like Nintendo put out a lot of stuff that was really supporting the indie de- developer, and it seems like they might be shifting their focus from major mainstream developers to more indie developers in terms of what third parties they work with. So what we're going to do is we'll go ahead and discuss all the new um, stuff that Nintendo's doing with indie devs, and then we're going to look at what's going wrong with the major Western devs that previously used to support Nintendo, because it's kind of weird that there's this like limit out, there's this clear shift happening where one's coming to the forefront and one's fading to the back. So we're going to look at all that and then do a bit of an analysis of whether this is indicative of bigger things to come with Nintendo or what. So that's how that's what we're gonna kick off with, and it all ties in with Game Developers Conference, which recently happened. So uh, one little thing to mention though is it's kind of funny that this is happening now because last episode, if you recall, for those of you who listen to us regularly, we made a pretty big deal out of like, oh, all these indie games coming to Nintendo platforms. Indie developers love Nintendo, and then literally like three days after we published that uh, episode, the Nintendo themselves were like, oh, look at all these indie developers that are coming to us here. We're gonna help you even more at the Game Developers Conference. So it's just kind of funny that we. Uh, Jump the gun a bit with our indie episode. So this is the new stuff that Nintendo's doing. They're actually um, doing a lot of different things, a lot of different places involving the eShop. So probably the biggest thing they're doing is this new Nintendo Web Framework, which um, which is this new platform that allows indie devs to basically build their games in a much easier way. So in a nutshell, it's a new set of tools. Um, developers will be able to take whatever HTML5-based or JavaScript-based apps and software and games they already made and very easily bring them over to the Wii U. So they won't actually have to do much coding to make it work on the Wii U. They just kind of port them over and because this, what they call this framework, works in the same way that like a WebKit browser does, like Safari on an iPhone or Chrome on a computer or Firefox or whatever, because it uses that same basic technology, they could just drop it in and then the only coding they really need to do is to make the Wii U stuff work with it. It's like the thing itself will just run on Wii U and you won't know the difference. But then they can add in, you know, gamepad support. So they can have touchscreen, gyros, camera. They can add in any combination of screen views. It could be TV, off off TV play on the gamepad, or screens on both, you know, all that. As well as Wiimote support, classic controller support. It's basically anything you make on the web can now be turned into a true native Wii U experience. So we should expect like an influx of simpler games, I guess? Possibly, but maybe not because... To give you an example of one thing that used uh, the web framework already, Wii Street U for the Wii U, the Google the Google Ma- uh, Street View app was oh. built entirely with this framework, and that feels like a true Wii U experience. Like it doesn't feel like it's ported, or it doesn't feel like it's based on a website. It's like a full, you know, native app that just works like you would expect a Wii U game to work. So that ultimately is what they're hoping to do. I mean, they were. Um, yeah, they were plugging things that like, oh yeah, it's like it's like building a website. Like you, you make a change, you hit refresh, and boom, suddenly the new thing's ready to go on the Wii U already. But so it's kind of like website in that regard, but it's also a true full app. Like it's no different than like, I mean, like there's a bunch of 2D game indie games that use HTML5. I think uh, Bastillion is that the name of the game? Bastillion. 
Which or, one? For Best Stone or something like that. I might be making up again. There's this well acclaimed <laughs> indie game. What's Fast something. I don't even know. I just know it exists. That was ba- made in HTML5. A lot of indie games use tools that build them in HTML5 and JavaScript. So really, Nintendo's basically making it so you could just like drag and drop them onto the Wii U. I mean, in addition, like in addition to the uh, that Wii Street U, the addition of Wii Street U, they also showed um, a demo software that they've been including with the framework, which is literally a 2D fighting game, kind of like Smash Bros. That they were making changes on the fly. The whole game's mechanics are built in JavaScript. The background is literally just like an HTML file that they could change, you know, just change the color of. And it was uh, it's gonna be bundled free with the web framework. But they said they made that rapid fire. Like it's really easy to do. Is my point. So the whole thing's free to developers who purchase a dev kit for the Wii U or the 3DS. And Nintendo, you know, they seem pretty confident it's going to result in some big money for those who choose to use it and join the eShop. They specifically reference Gunman Clive, which we've talked about on the show. It's an example of a mobile game that came to a Nintendo platform and did better. It was on iOS and Android for a while. He brought it over to the 3DS. It has since become the best-selling version of the game and outsold the iOS and Android versions combined. Whoa. Now, this was made before the framework. Kudos was, to the guy. Yeah, made. kudos to that one-man team, yeah. But this was before... Uh, Gummy Clyde came out before the web framework, but they're saying it's going to be even easier now. Like, that guy had great success. You can, too, and it's going to be super affordable because we have this software that just drag-and-drop, basically. So, um, yeah, I think... You know, honestly, I think it... I, I know I'm just kind of rambling about it. Just try to get... Because like, it's kind of like this techie thing. But I really think it could be potentially huge for Nintendo. Because, you know, they're significantly minimizing how much it costs to bring a game to the system. But which only means certain types of games, though, right? So only... Games that are built in HTML5 or JavaScript. But the thing is, a lot of iOS and Android games use... Specifically Android use Well, that's... That I mean, like, well, I feel like, like all that's good for a lot of people. Although it's not... I mean, do you really want the Wii U to be just another iOS? Well, I mean... No, well, there's some good stuff on iOS that would be great on the Wii U. A lot of the touchscreen-based stuff. Super Hexagon would be really fun. Uh, Rayman Jungle Run would be really fun. The game is kind of fun. Uh, yeah, like, there's there's all sorts of stuff that could potentially be built yeah. very easily using and the software. And I guess as long as it balances out other, like, game experiences you can only get on a console. Yeah. And... Well, the flip side of that is, is, in addition to the web framework, Nintendo's also giving free copies of the Unity engine with every, with every uh, Wii U development kit. UD Engine is this really high power, kind of Unreal Engine esque software that lets you do some crazy graphics and really make free, more right? make more console. Ga- what? And it's free, right? It's yeah, it's gotta be it's gotta be free. It comes with the dev kit for anyone who they've oh. been doing this since the Wii U came out. Every dev kit comes with it, but now they're upgrading it to the latest version of of Unity Unity Four Pro, which is still really high powered. So you know you have the simpler games, which are super easy to port, and Nintendo's basically saying in one or two steps you're getting free money. And they have the more complicated Unity stuff, but already indie developers have been contacting Nintendo. From what I've been reading on the web, indie developers have been contacting Nintendo or reps of Nintendo just saying, hey, we'd love to bring this game or that game on from the Unity engine to Nintendo, or we'd love to bring this HTML5 thing or that. So it could it could make a lot more games hit the eShop a lot quicker and kind of carve out a nice little niche for Nintendo where they have, you know, they have a whole bunch of touchscreen-based content coming very quickly because it's very easy. Very so cool it's potentially app. cool. Uh-huh. I mean, in some cases, Nintendo's even giving out free development kits for the Wii U. They're really trying to attract indie developers. Like Yacht Club Games, guys doing Shovel Knight, they got supposedly a free Wii U kit before they even uh, hit their Kickstarter goal. So, out of good faith. So Nintendo's, you know, really really trying to get, really trying to push people. And in addition to that, they're trying to make them, 
um, really make the whole platform enticing more than just the Kaiju is to develop. Because if the policies of the platform suck, no one's going to bring the games, no matter how easy. Like, if they don't make money, it's not going to matter. So one, on one hand, all the software is helping them make money. And on the other hand, they're, making, they're doing all sorts of uh, industry standard things to ensure people get their money quickly. So um, in a recent interview, Dan uh, Edelman, who's Nintendo's indie game liaison, he works on the eShop team, he was talking with uh, Gamma Sutra, and he was explaining a whole bunch of these new practices Nintendo's putting into place to really ensure that indie devs you know, get to do their thing and get their fair share of attention and money and whatnot. So uh, the primary requir- requirement for being an eShop developer is that you need, a, you, know, you need to be a licensed developer, so you need to apply, which is just through a website, warriorworld.com, if you want to see the really old-looking, crappy Nintendo site. Just like, fill out a form and you do Yeah, it. you fill out a form and then they approve it. Oh. But So you do that. Um, then you, you have to be a company, which is easy. You can form a company for like 50 bucks in some states. You can be a one-man company. And then you have to be able to keep confidential materials like dev kits, secret, and under wraps, which, you know, that's not that hard. You sign a non-disclosure agreement. You don't put it in your living room when guests are over. <laughs> doesn't take that much effort. So that's um, the only expense, really, that you have to do besides these things is buy a development kit if Nintendo doesn't provide you with one. And according to Edelman, that's the price of a high-end PC, so probably a couple thousand at most, which isn't that bad of an investment if you could, you know, turn that around. If you use just the free Nintendo framework, web framework, and Unity, and then buy a couple thousand dollar computer, you could turn around that. You know, you could really quickly be making money. So um, previously, this, this is why I bring this up, previously Nintendo had this restriction where you had to have an office, because they thought, oh, well, you can't be confidential if you have a Wii U in your house. So they required you at a separate office, like a physical address. They're, they were the only ones that did that. So Steam got a bunch of games, iOS, Android. All those guys got a bunch of games that would never come to Nintendo because these are made by people in their garage or, you know, people that just live at home or whatever. But um, now Nintendo's lifted that because they realize, you know, there's a lot. The, the, the rising trend in gaming is to all these indie teams and who knows where they're doing stuff, but they might not be physical companies. Might just be companies in name. I mean, that's how Gunman Clive happened. That's a one guy operation. I doubt he has a major office that he can send Nintendo like a billing address for. So, but um, so that's one major change. A second major change, just one they've been doing since the start of eShop, but it's actually really significant, and that's uh, implementation of how they do their payments to developers. You may there were rumblings when the Wii U first came out, or sorry, not when the Wii U, when the Wii WiiWare first started and DSiWare, that you had to hit a threshold in order to get any money. How it turned out, how it was is if you got under six, if you sold under six thousand units, Nintendo wouldn't pay you. Oh. They only wrote a check for whatever split of the revenue you were entitled to once you hit six thousand. WiiWare was a mess for finding games, and DSiWare wasn't a whole lot better. So a lot of developers put out games, spending you know a couple thousand or whatever, making tens of thousands, making the game. If it's under six thousand, they would not see a penny. Nintendo would just keep all the money. It makes no sense. I don't know why they did it. Nintendo claims it was you know to make things easier, but no. It really For them, I yeah, I guess. But um, luckily, with the start of the eShop on D- on 3DS and now Wii U, they have completely removed that restriction. So now you sell one copy, you get your split, you get your 30 percent or 70 percent or whatever it is of the sales of that one copy. It's industry standard. That's how everyone does it. So Nintendo's on board, and that's probably why, especially starting with 3DS, we saw a huge uptick in indie support. Because it used to be that I'd be like, well, why would I risk it? You know, Bit Trip would be a success, but there'd be like 10 games that flopped. And they won't make any money. They'd just be a black hole. It's nice seeing a bunch of games I would have never, ever considered getting, but still get just because they're getting all this advertising. Yeah. On the Wii, I remember, I don't think I got any indie game. I think everything I got was like Virtual Console. Mm-hmm. I think I just got, oh, I got World of Goo. Yeah, World of Goo. I, I got World of Goo, and I think that was it. 
I think we, I got friend. I got a gift from someone. It was Defend Your Castle. Right. Yeah. I'm but, fun of that, but yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, though. Fun. But yeah, at the same time, like all that stuff from back then, um, you know, like there were exceptions. World Group Bit Trip, Defend Your Castle, that like, got attention. But for the most part, Nintendo like dictated everything. So it'd be like those games went out and did their own PR. But the prices were set by Nintendo. The release date was set by Nintendo. Everything was controlled by Nintendo. Like once the developer made the game, Nintendo was kind of in charge of what to do with it, which obviously is not ideal. As we discussed before, though, uh, release dates, price, all that's up to developers now. It's just like Steam. It's just like iOS. Um, Even things like, you know, if you make an update to the game, we've talked about this before, it's free to update opposed to on Xbox or PlayStation, at least in the past on PlayStation, where you had to charge a... They charged you a fee to push an update. Uh, Not only that, but Nintendo's now... Like, they're really trying to get at developers. They're... uh, they're depositing 24-hour return to all emails. I know this is like a really minor thing, but 24 hours, they're going to get back to you if you have any questions, which is really fast, faster than most of the competitors. They don't guarantee 24 hours. So they're, like, Nintendo's really stepping up. So it's particularly interesting that all this is happening in my mind because um, right now is when all the mainstream game makers are starting to distance themselves from the Wii U even more. So on the one hand, we have Nintendo really reaching out to indies and going, hey, check out web uh, web framework, check out... Unity, check out all these policy changes. We're making this for you, you guys. And now on the other hand, you have all these major, major players, like big names, all backing away, just kind of like, eh, maybe the Wii is not for us. So quite possibly the biggest one is um, no Unreal Engine 4 support. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Unreal Engine, if you may you may not know the backstory of the what powers the games you play, but Unreal Engine 3 is the engine that runs a lot of major multi-platform games on Arkham ps3 City, yeah on ps3 and 360 and wii u so um arkham city uh mass effect 3 those are just speaking strictly of wii u games that use it or just two that come to mind um but so unreal engine 4 is gonna be huge it's gonna be pretty much the standard if you're making that multi-platform game and you want a certain type of you know third person action or whatever it's usually done with unreal so unreal engine 4 was announced and they had a panel at gdc and they said it's not coming to the Wii U. It's just going to skip right over. Uh, and, you know, that could be a big problem in terms of future third-party support because if the engine isn't supported on the system, the games can't be ported to the system, and they won't be. So if we thought there's a lack of third-party games now, we're not going to see downscaled versions as eas- as many as we could down the road. So um, Epic's Mark Rain. Mark Rain's one of their head guys, and Epic is the maker of Unreal. He uh, actually went on record saying that they're not planning to bring Unreal 4 to any system of this current power generation. So no Wii U, no PS3, no 360. They're strictly looking at what he considers next-gen, which is PS4, next Xbox. Uh, He did say, though, that if other developers want to port the engine down to the Wii U, they are free to do so. But realistically, is anyone going to do that? No one's going to do that. Why would they invest the money? Like, unless the Wii U suddenly has a million bajillion players, right? Like, what's the the point? Yeah. So, um, you know, and on one hand, he has a point like, okay, they're only making it for next gen. But that only makes sense if you ignore the fact that Unreal Engine 4 is coming to web browsers and iOS. Like, this thing can be downscaled quite easily. They're just choosing not to. So it's a little bit like the fact that he's going, oh, well, we're only doing it for next gen is kind of skirting around the issue because they are doing it on web browsers. Firefox is going to run Unreal Engine 4. Firefox. Firefox. The thing no one uses anymore? I use it. Firefox? Firefox, yeah. Why don't you use Chrome? I don't like the UI of Chrome. I don't like the look of the buttons. And Firefox has served me well. 
But yeah, um, Firefox is going to run it, and iOS is going to run it. And I guarantee my phone has less, has definitely less, if not, or the same, if not less, power than a Wii U. So if my phone can run it, I don't see why the Wii U can't. Besides that, Epic just doesn't want to support it. But, I mean, potentially more troubling even than just Unreal Engine 4 not coming to Wii U is the fact that when um, Rain was originally asked about potential Wii U support at GDC, he his response was a laugh. Like, he literally just laughed and went, ha ha, no. And then the whole audience erupted in laughter. And I think that probably gives a pretty sad yet straightforward, more accurate view of what the Western development world thinks of the Wii U right now. They think it's kind of a joke. They have no plans to support it. It's like, oh, the Wii U, pfft. Like, I, you know, if, I guarantee if someone said, hey, are you going to bring it to 360, he said, he'll say, oh, no, we're not planning to. But to go, ha ha, nope. And then have the whole audience erupt in laughter, who are all primarily developers that will use Unreal Engine 4. It says a lot about the Wii U's current mindshare in the U.S. market, in the Western world. No love. No love at all. I mean, to Rain's credit... He did backtrack, he did backpedal, he did say it was rude to laugh, and he said he said he thought it was funny because they only asked about Wii U and not PS3 or 360. Which well, is, cause... it's not funny, like, he, they're asking because those are, re- that's the relevant new console. The other two are about to be phased out in, two, in the next year or two, like, it's a perfectly fine question. But he did apologize, eventually, but still, like, you know, the audience's reaction says a whole lot more than even his, you know, reaction and apology. So we don't have Unreal Engine 4 on Wii U, and we probably never will unless some developer down the road wants to invest in bringing it over for the one or two games. Similarly, EA and uh, DICE, the developers of Battlefield, are not going to be bringing their Frostbite engine, Frostbite 3 engine to the Wii U. Frostbite's what powers Battlefield 4, just announced Battlefield 4, as well as a bunch of uh, upcoming EA games. EA has gone on record that most of their next wave of games, non-sports games, will use... Frostbite 3. It's going to yeah, be their company-wide... Dead Space and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it's going to be their company-wide uh, platform. Army of 2. Army of 2. Three. Mirror's Edge, if it ever comes back. New properties. All of them will most likely use it. And they're not coming to Wii U because it's not getting Frostbite 3. So, uh, you know, that pretty much guarantees more lack of support from EA outside mm-hmm. of Need for Speed, maybe. Has Capcom said anything about Panther Ray or whatever? It's nope. Nope. But, um, you know, the reasoning or the excuse that EA gave for the Wii U is kind of not getting Frostbite is kind of odd. So the DICE exec producer behind Frostbite and Battlefield 4 is a dude named Patrick Bach. And he basically said that, this is a quote, They don't want to back down from what we see as our low-spec machines. We right now don't have support for Wii U on the, in the Frostbite engine. The reason for this is it takes development time. He then went on to say, We could probably make a Wii U game in theory, but to make the most out of Wii U, that's a different game because of the different peripherals. We want to utilize all the power of each console. It's about where do you put your focus, and the Wii U is not part of our focus right now. So he's literally like, yeah, we don't care. We're, we don't care about the Wii U, which is fine. But to say it's low spec is kind of weird, considering Battlefield 4 and Frostbite 3 are going to run perfectly fine on the 360 and PS3 by the end of the year when the game comes out. So they just don't So they just don't care. It's, it's yeah. exactly what happened with the, it's the exact same idea as the audience laughing at Unreal 4 coming to Wii U. Like, or not coming to Wii U. It's the same core idea of, well, this system's meaningless, it's not going to go anywhere, it would be like quirky Nintendo games and their fans, and that'll be it, so whatever. It's only because they don't want to. Exactly. Like, it's... Well, they um, tried. I mean, well, yeah, yeah. Got, well, they, here's the thing, they like half-assed tried. Like, they put out stuff at launch, Ubisoft being the exception. The Western developers put out a bunch of ports, and, would, and 
they didn't, you know, they were okay. They didn't, I mean, Batman Arkham City is on sale for 20 bucks at Best Buy this week already. It's only been out for five months. They can only expect so much from the like yeah. year-old games. Though. And then they charge full price. Or they do Mass Effect, but it's not Trilogy. It's only three. We've ranted about that before. But it's just like, yeah, like they, they, put, they put themselves in a situation where they go, look, we're supporting Nintendo, sort of. And then they go, oh, look, no one bought it because we only supported Nintendo, sort of. Oh, well, now we're not supporting them at all. Like, they kind of set themselves up to fail. Not to fail, but they don't set themselves up to so succeed. So they could just move on with whatever Exactly. So they have an excuse to not support it to investors or whatever. I mean, it's kind of conspiracy theory. Like, they're obviously not sitting in a board like, how can we screw ourselves out working on Nintendo systems? But they're not putting their best foot forward, so naturally yeah, then they pretty, take two I mean, steps back. You could tell, tell they could have done more. I mean, it doesn't take, I mean... Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, if we could come up with, like... I mean, they should have done that. There the are exceptions. Yeah. There are exceptions. I want to make that clear. Need for Speed, Most Wanted, exception. Uh, Deus Ex, Human Revolution Director's Cut, will be an exception. No, well, that's Resident Evil Revolution. But, I mean, these people that are yeah. just putting out these games. Yeah, like Activision for... Well, Activision and Call of Duty was a full-fledged port. I'll give them that. But, like, it was almost every feature, but no DLC for some reason. Activision, what's up with that? Uh, but, you know, like, EA didn't really try. Like, a lot of companies are just kind of, like, tiptoeing around and then immediately running away. <laughs> So, I mean, the the lack of these two inches is going to be huge. And on top of that, we're already not mm. seeing a bunch of 316 PS3 games that have be, recently been announced. There's no Saints Row 4. There's no Metal Gear Solid 5, the, 5, the uh, Phantom Pain. There's, uh... I guess I still got Capcom and Ubisoft. Yeah. And, I mean, not only that, but Aliens Colonial Marines was just cancelled for Wii U. Although... Oh, Sega. Although, Sega... I'll give them credit. I think this was more of a mercy killing than a cancellation. They're still playing more games for Wii U, but... Aliens bombed hard, review-wise. Yeah, I, I think they did the Wii it, community a favor. They did. It was a mercy killing. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. If they had released it, people were just, like, probably lost more faith in Sega. Like, oh, I'm not going to buy anymore. But on the other, but on the flip side of that, sure, they did a mercy killing. And, but why was it delayed in the first place? Why didn't it come out with its other console they counterparts? Like, Someone played it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it was made by some, like, off-site team or whatever. But still, like, that's the sort of problem. Like, releasing it late isn't going to do you any favors. So I guess my point of all this and why I talk for like, what, 15 minutes about all these random developer issues, be it the good stuff from Nintendo and the bad stuff from third parties, is that, you know, between Nintendo's ramp up of all these indie tools and the support that they're bringing with them, and then this falling out of all these major Western third parties, I think it's clear there's some sort of shift occurring, in my mind at least. Like, Nintendo has long been chasing major third party support for all its systems, you know, and those games either... Um, underperformed, or they just never came to Nintendo systems even though they were promised. Grand Theft Auto 3, for example, that was originally going to come to GameCube. It was cancelled before it even was released. You know, stuff like that. Like, they're always chasing this dream that they never quite achieve, or they have these half-assed ports, like we were just talking about. But, um, and I mean, now, you know, you got publishers just skipping the Wii U altogether and laughing at the thought of it. So, even though it's perfectly technically possible to bring the games to the system, Battlefield 4, there's no excuse for it to show up on the system, not to show up on the system. In fact, at E3 2011, the CEO of EA went on stage at Nintendo's press conference and specifically said, can you imagine Battlefield on this system? It'll be great. <laughs> we'll never get to know. <laughs> so, like, you know, people, they're literally just abandoning wanted it. wanted us to believe. I guess. Some, there's some sort of falling out between Nintendo and EA since then. Rumors have it that Origin, they wanted to bring Origin as the exclusive online service of the Wii U, and Nintendo said no, and EA's like, well, okay, and packed their bags and left. That's the rumor. Wow. That, that, once again, it's just no, a yeah, rumor. Yeah. But, this, um, this sounds kind of extreme, though. Yeah, it is. But, I mean, still, um, you know, with all these third parties falling away, what does Nintendo do at this point? And I think that's where the indie stuff 
comes in because they're now going after that indie developer crowd instead of the mainstream. You know, instead of trying to convince every major they're publisher. Cult, they're cultivating new... Exactly, yeah. Instead yeah. of trying to convince every major publisher to bring their games over, now they're helping these fledgling developers get a start. And, you know, by doing that, then they're going to presumably keep supporting Nintendo platforms. I mean, Gaijin Games with the BitTrip series, Mega Gay Kid with all their stuff. It's already happening. These two developers started on Nintendo platforms, and there's... Yeah, they're branching out to other systems, but every single game's on Nintendo platform day one, if not first, before the other systems. So, it you know, it's, it's kind of proven to work. And Nintendo's able to keep fostering these smaller teams, like you said, they're cultivating them, and they'll stick with Nintendo with, you know, through the Wii U, onto the next platform, etc., etc. And then that means that once these, ma- these little tiny guys become major players, Nintendo has their third-party support back in a way that they presumably won't lose them. Because they'll be, you know... They'll treat Nintendo won't just be this like oh that's Nintendo they're got these you know like '90s Nintendo like oh the third parties all hate them because they're so strict it'll be like wow Nintendo really helped foster us and grow us into what we are we owe it to them and their fans who support us will make games for them yeah. like it's like a whole new attitude so I mean it's a long term strategy I mean if these people provide us one day with like I don't know for every I don't know Call of Duty no not that uh, let's just throw Mass Effect Four whatever that yeah the other consoles get as long as we get something else that's as yeah, good. Yeah, I mean, what does it matter what we get? I mean, all yeah, we care about it's a good game, and it's getting to the point where most Nintendo fans need to own a non-Nintendo console as well. Me being the exception, <laughs> but so you know, there's still other avenues, and and the, the only thing with the strategy, I mean, yeah, it's a if you buy into it, it's definitely a long-term one, like you know, but it makes it does make a certain amount of sense. So the way like you, you said, like as long as well, a little at least yeah. at first, but like cultivating the third parties and giving them all these free tools, it makes sense, like. You know, around the launch of the 3DS eShop, this was, what, June 2011, I guess? Um, a while I was saying that Nintendo's going to, you know, be spending a lot of money to make sure that third-party support happens and to support those games. And I think we talked about it at the time. I think we assumed, and pretty much everyone assumed, oh, they're going to pay out developers to bring their games to the system. They're going to money had them, basically. They're going to yeah. pay for the marketing of other games. And that has happened in Japan a bit. You got Dragon Quest and Monster Hunters now Nintendo exclusive. You know, they have done that with Japanese developers, not so much in the West. So I think what... I want to actually meant, at least for outside of Japan, is that they're going to cultivate third parties, but not the major ones through money hang and marketing, but they're going to be funding all these crazy tools that save so much money and time for developers, web framework, Unity, etc. And they're going to pour money into that and then provide very strong indie support to indie developers, and then those guys in return will support Nintendo. At least that's my view of it. You know, and then, and then, I mean, one final thought is, like, look at what's on the eShop. A lot of it from other companies matches Nintendo's own lineup. You know what I mean? Like, it kind of has the same vibe. It kind of has the same sort of styling. It makes, it clicks better than, say, Call of Duty or Assassin's Creed. And they've seen success because of it. Like, Gunman Clive, uh, Mutant Muds, all the way forward games, they all kind of feel Nintendo-y. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I they mean, make sense on the platform. I'm up for, like, a bunch of, like, good small games, but there's only so many different types of yeah. games we're going to get from them. We're not going to get... Well, that's not true. Unity could do every sort of genre. No, well, yeah, but I mean... And I mean, Renegade Chase is doing it, it, a first-person shooter right just, now. Well, that's it. It's only a matter of, like... It's, it's, it's time well, will tell. It's just yeah. time will tell. Well, presumably... Because, I mean, yeah, Renegade Kid's making a shooter, but, I mean, we don't know what kind of shooter at all. It's more of a horror shooter, slow-paced. Not like a fast-paced Call of Duty. Because I mean, Colt Colt uh, Country is gonna be like Silent Hill first oh. person practice. Because I mean, there's a lot of games that the that Nintendo doesn't have that I would like to see on Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying this could. This is how they seem to be addressing the issue yeah. in my mind. 
is they're basically saying, well, if third parties don't want to support us, we've chased them for two generations. You know, we'll keep encouraging it, but we're going to really pour our, our money and our heart and soul into getting these indie devs and bringing them up. Yeah. Because eventually, these devs are going to get big. And when they get big, they can do more ambitious projects. When they can do more ambitious projects, you're going to get some crazy new experience that's like on the scale of Assassin's Creed, but something totally different that fits the Nintendo fans' yeah. ideal game and that sort of thing. Because that's the new dream. I, I mean, mean, it's all just a theory. Don't get me wrong. Well, it's yeah, all just a theory, yeah. but it's just like if you if you follow what Nintendo's been doing lately and they look at what they've said in the past and then, you know, and then you see third parties backing off rather quickly without Nintendo seeming to publicly be pursuing them anymore, at least not in the same force, you know, it kind of lines up a little. You could kind of connect the dots. So that, that's my theory, yeah. at least. But, but yeah. So that, that was the... Um, the big strategic shift. What? No, they wish they had Bioshock Infinite. Yeah, see, no, there are <laughs> games that would be great. Bioshock, uh, or maybe not even those State Row 4, like another game Battlefield as good 4. As yeah, no, Bioshock, yeah, but, so they still, so driven for see, that's the problem, is it's like, if Nintendo did fully abandon ship with the major publishers, we're not gonna, we're gonna miss out on a lot of experiences, and yeah, we're gonna get, like you said, we are gonna get comparable, we might get comparable, but, it won't be that experience. Yeah. So really, Nintendo's fine balance. But I think what they're doing, whether we agree with it or not, is what they're doing is saying, well, major guys aren't supporting us. We'll keep trying to do like general, like, hey, bring your game to our system. Yay. But they're going to really pour them money and the heart and soul into the indie support. Just one of the quirks of being video game fans. Yeah. It's not like a movie where we could just watch any movie we want, no matter who makes it. Yep. Like, no. And even that's getting harder because now you have stuff like Netflix is having exclusive series, oh. House of Cards and Arrested yeah. Development. Uh, Amazon has exclusive I series. Think kind of back then. <laughs> uh, Redbox might be doing exclusive series. Oh. Like they're all. Uh, DirecTV has its own TV shows only on DirecTV. Like you really have to like. It's it's getting uh, it's yeah. being divided up much like consoles are now. But yeah, I, once again, just to be clear, I would love all those major games, but I think Nintendo's attitude is, we'll keep trying to, you know, the general, hey guys, come support our system, but they're really going to pour money into getting these starter developers. Because then when they get big, and when they're doing whatever they're doing, whatever big ambitious project, they're going to go Nintendo first. Because that's the community that brought them up. That's the community that are fans of them and have established a solid monetary relationship with them. So, yeah. at least that's my take. But, um... Going beyond just Nintendo's developer stuff, they also at GDC talked a lot about Miiverse. So they held a panel uh, exclusively about Miiverse. The main point of the panel was to look at how you could bring Miiverse into your games or that sort of thing. And there were a few bits of information that kind of got out through that. They're kind of interesting to give an idea of where things are going. So first up, uh, we do we now know the, Mii, the web version of Miiverse will be hitting sometime this month or next. So before the end of... By May is apparently the wording they use, but realistically, we'll just say sometime in April or May. Uh, yeah, so that means that you'll be able to, you know, interact with Miiverse from a mobile phone, web browser, or computer. And here's the thing, you'll be able to do pretty much everything. Follow, yeah, post drawings. That surprised me. Apparently, they're going to let you draw somehow. Hmm. Either, I guess, with like a Wacom tablet yeah, yeah. or like a finger on a smartphone. I don't know, but that's what has been reported. I'm not sure if that's true, but let's run with oh, it. I think that'd be really cool, because they could like cool. zoom in and... Yep. All these kind of... But yeah, and they're also playing a full... So that's supposedly in the web version. And then they're also going to do a, a native app for, like, iOS and Android down the road. But uh, they, I want to promise that a long time ago. Who knows when that happened. Another thing you promised a long was time ago... Demo? I think I saw a video. They showed a... That's the web browser app. Oh, on the phone? That's Yeah, that's the web browser. Oh. Yep. Huh. But uh, they also show... Or they also reconfirmed another I want to promise, which is, which is that 3DS version is coming. Uh, no date. 
but the producer of Miiverse did point out, and this makes a lot of sense, you just don't really think about it, only new new 3DS titles work with Miiverse. You can't retroactively, I mean, I guess they hypothetically could retroactively add like a Mario 64, no, that doesn't make sense, a New Super Mario Bros. 2 community. But, or a Mario 3D Land whenever they, said, yeah, they don't want to sit down and... It's more like they're... It, yeah, it's more like it's not going to bake in in the same way that it does. Like, it's not going to be like you could post from the game to Miiverse or that it'll have, like, the little this player owns the game icon or that sort of thing. They just said they won't be compatible on games going forward. So, so if that breaks your heart, I'm sorry. That probably means no Animal Crossing community. But I wouldn't be surprised if Miiverse launches or is at least definitely ready to launch or ready and launched by the time X and Y comes out. I'm sure Pokemon XY will have Miiverse somehow. It's a great way to launch a service, right? Have one of the biggest franchises possible. Pokemon well, Sounds like a Yeah, I guess I'll get it, yeah. But uh, the last thing Nintendo says they're planning to expand, or the producer of Miiverse says, he's pl- they're planning to expand Miiverse in a couple of major ways. So in the future, and these are actually the most exciting to me. So in the future... Um, Players will be able to send and receive comments, follow users, view follow lists, see lists of people who add their posts, all of that in-game. They won't need to hit home and go to wherever. It will be somehow... It, pe- developers will have the ability to pull all those things or some of those things or any of those things directly into their game's menus or their game's interface or whatever. That'd be very convenient. So there's that, yeah. That'd make messaging so much easier. Exactly. And they're also planning to enable tags. Actually, so you, that's my biggest, biggest gripe. Oh, the messaging? They, well, yeah, I wish... Even if it's stays the same i just wish they would add some sort of notification on the television yeah because i miss so many messages especially when i'm trying to converse with someone to try to coordinate right 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 and you miss messages because the light doesn't you don't see the little light and you know how high up my tv is so it's like yeah 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 for those that are not currently sitting in jose's room with us uh which is all of you i would hope because otherwise that's really creepy and please show yourself so he can meet you no one here. Anyway, uh, <laughs> no, his TV's on the top shelf of the room. It's like, what, five, six feet off the ground? Yeah. And he sits, obviously, on a couch across the room, so the gamepad's way out of sight if he's looking at TV and vice versa. So, it's a valid point. It's definitely a valid point. But, I mean, that's the thing, is they're constantly trying to change Miiverse, and they, they even ask developers to give their own suggestions of what they want to see. So, it's not, it's possible. But some other stuff Nintendo said they are planning to do that we will see for sure is um, they're going to add tags to launch specific parts of games. So you know how, like, uh, when you post in Mario, New Super Mario Bros. U or Nintendo Land for a certain level or attraction, it shows the name of the level or attraction. It's a little tag you can click, and it'll show similar posts. Why, yes, I do. Oh, well, well you know. Well, uh, <laughs> well, apparently, their end goal is those tags can actually, if you have the game on your hard drive or the disc is in the disc slot on the Wii U, if you click those tags, they could launch that specific level or attraction or whatever in the game. It's like you're reading about Donkey Kong Crash Course, and you're like, oh, cool, Donkey Kong Crash Course. I want to play that. You press it, boom, you're in Donkey Kong Crash Course. Well, it'll probably be like, you probably have to hear that little... When your TV turns into the curtains, and you have to hear the music, and then after it loads... Well, it's got to... No, it'll just dump you to the game. Yeah, it'll dump you to the game's loading I mean, it's screen. Load. Yeah, well, okay, it's not instant, but it's good. You don't have to That'd go through... That would be amazing. You don't have to go through menus, is my point. You just go straight to the level. And if you don't have the game, I'll give you a little demo version of it. Oh, if only. But uh, just to be clear, this is this obviously is not going to work retroactively. It's going to be, need to be coded into the game. So those are just examples. But still be kind of neat. Yeah. Like imagine if someone like posts a high score in the Yoshi game. Yoshi's Yarn or Yarn Yoshi or whatever it's called. And you want to beat the high score. You don't need to I go I don't know score-based. Hypothetical. <laughs> Hypothetical. Fine. Let's say someone 
played some sort of minigame challenge, like rupee collecting challenge in the new Wind Waker HD, and you want to top their rupee score, that's, that's plausible. Instead of having to go to the game, sail to the island, whatever, you could potentially click the tag in Miiverse, and it'll take you right to the island after some load screens. There. Is that more realistic? Yeah. <laughs> but... Um, with that. Okay, I'm glad you approved. And as previously promised, uh, going back to what they're adding, custom communities are on the way. They're going to launch alongside Wii Fit U, and much like Mario Kart 7, they'll have special passcodes. You can only get in the community if you know the passcode, and once in, you can chat, you can use it to organize tournaments, you can do whatever. So that's still on the way. Which we will be using for sure. That sounds like fun. Yeah, it actually sounds really cool. And we, yeah, we'll set up around Nintendo 1 for whatever game. For all two people that join. No, we do. We got like we have hundreds of listeners now. So thank you, all you listeners. You're hundreds of you. Um, but uh, yeah, there. I mean, Nintendo has even bigger pipe dreams. Going back to me, they have bigger pipe dreams than just the stuff that they confirmed. Uh, the producer was kind of thinking aloud about the p- possibility of Miiverse-based level editors. We could practically build a whole game through Miiverse. Like everyone could contribute different levels, and then over time, it become a game. Oh. He was just thinking out loud about it. Who knows what will happen? And like I said, he encouraged everyone to suggest new ways to use the Miiverse API because they can, which is basically how developers plug the Miiverse into their games. An API. It's it's the same way that like Facebook, for example, could be plugged into an app or what, you know, like you log, you know, you go to websites like log into Facebook, and they have to like log into Facebook to log into the site. That's an API. That's what an API is. So Miiverse works the same way. Um, you know, to give an idea of just like what sort of creative things. They're hoping people do Miiverse. Uh, the Miiverse producer outlined a new Game & Wario mode called... Uh, such a bad name. Miiverse Sketch. Oh. See, because it's Miiverse. And then they take the S and the, of, of Miiverse, Miiverse and they sketch. add Sketch. No, it's Miiverse Sketch. It's one word. There's no E on Miiverse. It's Miiverse Sketch. Miiverse Sketch. No, they Miiverse Sketch. Oh, I thought you said Miiverse Sketch. No, Miiverse yeah, Sketch. Yeah, Miiverse Sketch. So in it, Sorry, this is a special so, mode in Game like I'm Wario. sketching a Miiverse. Yeah, which is like some cousin of the beaver or something, yeah. But, um, but yeah, in the in, so in this mode, players are going to be... And Game War is already on Japan, so it already exists, but it, of course, will be in the American one, too. Uh, in this mode, um, how it's going to work is there's a time limit, and the players are told to draw something. They gave the example of draw, like, uh, an Egyptian tomb, like King Tut or whatever. Oh, all right. That's draw King Tuck in 60 seconds. Like, that's exactly... Like, it could be, like, draw a Meaver, which is the cousin of the Beavers, you may recall from moments ago. Like, draw a Meaver in 30 seconds or a minute and a half. So you have all these different challenges, and as soon as you draw it, it's posted to a special sub-community of Game & Wario, and integrate into the drawing. Like, the drawing's half the Meaver's post, or two-thirds. And the other one are these little boxes that show the time... The, the task, the time, and how much time you... Like, time given and how much you spent. All, like, baked into the post. So, like, they basically the point is they can be very creative and you can use Miiverse in a variety of ways. I mean, Deus Ex is doing those cool uh, logs they can make with images and video and sound and stuff, so. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, honestly, I think this is, in my mind, this is what's most exciting about the Wii U, is Miiverse and how it's constantly evolving. I mean, Nintendo's pushing updates every couple weeks, so... These are obviously bigger, but, you know, even little things, like, they've reorganized how you... Yeah, the organization has really... Yeah, the home screen organization really is super nice. Yeah, now it's by, like, game or featured or, like, special communities, opposed to just a list of most recent releases. That so, feels more natural. I remember it when does. it first came out, it was really annoying getting to your favorites yep. and all that stuff. Yeah, now it feels more like a message board, which yeah. is kind of the goal. But, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm super excited about what Miiverse is going to bring. I think this is really the killer app of the Wii U. And, hey, I'm actually... This is going to sound ridiculous. And I think I'm most excited about having it on my smartphone. Because it's so much easier to check on my phone for two seconds than to have to wait for the Wii U to turn on, wait for it to load. Granted, they're fixing all that with that update, firmware update this month. 
Or at least some of it. I know, then I can stop by saying, have you seen my Miiverse post yet? And you'll be like, no. Because now I'll see it. Now now I can see it, like, instantly. It's yep. just exciting. But that's it for uh, GDC news. That covers, you know, all the developer stuff plus Miiverse. Um, however, there's also a lot of game news. Well, not a lot, but a decent amount. So uh, let's kick off with some late... Switching gears completely. Bye, Miiverse. Let's kick off with some uh, pretty late-breaking news, actually. It kind of just happened, to be precise. And that is very fresh Pokemon X and Y news. So, specifically, we now know there's going to be a new Pokemon who has an awful lot in common with Mewtwo. Uh, he's unnamed. He was revealed in, a ja- in the Japanese Pokemon Smash TV show, which is an hour-long Pokemon variety show every Sunday morning in Japan. I'm just going to repeat that. It's an hour-long Pokemon-only variety show every week in Japan. I can't imagine something like that in America. Like, I don't, how do they have enough content? They How? cover the games. They cover the games, but the, the games are only every two years. What? So it, it, well, I was watching the live stream of the show, and yeah. it looks like they have a lot of random skits. Like, oh, that so it's SNL things. with Pokemon? Oh, well, I'm on like, board now. Like, now I'm on board. Like, they had, like, seven people dressed as different Eevees, like, really, probably... So, PML, Pokemon Morning Live. Okay, I'm, I'm yeah, on board with that. Yeah, essentially, yeah, they were just doing random things. It's like, just, like, it's insane to think they have an hour-long Pokemon show. Something about show. vegetables and not eating them and tickling oh. people and, I don't know, Hmm. Kind of weird. Maybe it's important to be eating vegetables, or you'll get tickled to death. Scurvy is uh, uh, tickling's a metaphor for scurvy. Maybe I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> but, uh, but no, uh, back to what really matters, and that's this new Pokemon. So we don't know his name. We don't know much about him. He may be called Mew Three. Probably not, but he looks kind of like Mewtwo. He has some relation to Mew and Mewtwo, specifically Mewtwo. But uh, I'm personally gonna call him Mewtwo Two. He's the second Mewtwo. He's a ballerina Pokemon. Mewtwo too. So as opposed, I'm here all week. Oh, all right, fine. No, what were you gonna say? No, so I guess um, Mewtwo was cloned from Mew. I guess in the Kanto area, you mm-hmm. wherever Mewtwo mm-hmm. took place. So I guess the people in yeah, this Mew, wherever this game will take place, cloning him. Well, they make Mewtwo too. Well, well that's it. They either got Mewtwo DNA and made this new Mewtwo too, or <laughs> they got Mew DNA. I can't believe we're sticking with that. Most <laughs> people say Mew three, but we're doing Mewtwo too. Or maybe they got they had their own Mew DNA and they made their own clone of superpowered Mew, and they got this guy. Yeah, who? And then Mewtwo, and yeah, they're like and then there, and then there's some speculation on the web that it might just be a new so, form of Mewtwo. Yeah, Mew's gonna need another cigar because you know had another kid. Oh yes, yes, yes. As he paces through the hospital anxiously, <laughs> but um, no, I mean here's the thing, Pokemon Company did keep stressing he has some connection to the, quote, legendary Pokemon Mewtwo. By the way, legendary and Pokemon <laughs> and Mewtwo all capitalized. It's not like a legendary Pokemon Mewtwo. It's legendary Pokemon, trademark, Mewtwo, trademark. <laughs> like, apparently legendary Pokemon's a name phrase thing that they could trademark. I don't know. But, um... So what do you think of the design of the new Mewtwo? You know, it's... I'm more interested in what his role will be in Pokemon X and Y than the design. Like... Obviously, Pokemon X and Y has something to do with genetics. X, Y. Yeah. They've talked about DNA being a core plot point. question. I am, because I'll, <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll come back around. So, obviously, that's key, and he's some sort of clone, so that's key. But in terms of his design, or presumably he's some sort of clone. But in terms of his design, it, I mean, he looks kind of like Mewtwo. It's like they moved his handle to the top of his head, so he's now he's as easy to carry as a GameCube. And I, 
I don't know. Like I, he's okay. I, I when I first saw the leaks earlier this week, this past week, I was not impressed at all. But now that I've seen him like officially in game battling, yeah, I thought he, he looks like better. a dragon or something because of yeah. the tail thing. Well, I knew he had a body. They just cut it. Yeah, very well, yeah, that's it because like all those other kids were in front of the body, so I thought it was just a really long neck. And I'm yeah, like, oh, what is this? Honestly, the design but, is growing on me. I wasn't a fan of it at first. Now I'm kind of like, okay, I can kind of see it. I could guarantee a couple things. One, he's going to be replacing Lucario in the next Smash Brothers. Two, yeah, he's yeah. Two, his name will not be Mew Tutu, and three, Mew Tutu, Mew Tutu. Yeah, give him a tutu. Yeah, wait, we we made that joke like five minutes ago. I said ballerina. Oh no, yeah. We were, yeah. And three, uh, I had no third point. Oh yeah, he's still as easy to carry as a GameCube, regardless of what happens with him. That's the same joke twice. I know, uh, but I did I did want to say he looks really good in battle. I don't like his design. I can be whatever about, but in battle, his animations look really slick. And they, they released a video of it, in fact. And um, we posted a link to the video on the blog post for this episode. That's episode 40, The Haunt is On, over at RamTown.com. You know, click the episode, scroll down to the news section. It's about halfway down the list of news items. There'll be a link to the YouTube video, which is only, like, what, 38 seconds long or something? But it gives a good taste of his action on the battlefield. And he looks a lot better in that than he does in those promo posters. Yeah, just like Mewtwo, he looks like he could use a bunch of different types of moves. Yep. Got the grass one. Yeah, and he's clearly going to be very key to the story of, of Black and White, of X and Y. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, it's not huge news to have a new Pokemon, but it's pretty big news when it's Mew 3, 2, 2, Mew cubed, Mew cubed, Mew 3. But the 3 is a little super... Whatchamacallit 3. It's a little 3 that's up top. Mew cubed. Like space 3? Yeah, it's Mew cubed. It's like the cubed symbol. Mew cubed. I got you. And it fits the GameCube handle. Oh my god, it's all coming together. It's a GameCube handle because he called Mew cube. Oh my... Oh man, I just cracked the code. He has no point in the story. They just want to remind people about the GameCube. Well, maybe. I that's mean, it. I mean, if Mew cube. If he's the Lucario of the game, then he won't have any point in the story. Because Lucario was just kind of there. Yeah, but in terms of physical build, he looks like Lucario. As was the arc. Yeah. Very close to Lucario, too. Yeah. But he didn't make the jump to Smash Bros. But that's probably because he came out after Smash Bros. Yeah. yeah. If anything, <laughs> he's the one that people thought were going to be the next Smash Bros. Yeah, but, but now it's going to be Mew 2-2. Two, two. Well, Mew Cube. Yeah. Cubic Mew. Mew. Try Mew. Like try tip, except you're not eating it. I'm done. I'm sorry. Let's go to other news. Uh, so that's Pokemon XY. Pokemon fans were whipped to a frenzy about it. Pokemon, okay, first of all, Pokemon hyped it for a week. They were tweeting about it for a week. And it turned out to just be this was week three days ago, so I was a little disappointed. Yeah, I was expecting more like gameplay. I was expecting gameplay mechanics, yeah. But hey, we had some fun with his name, so that counts for something. Maybe, maybe not. One thing that some people will be having fun with, but maybe not as many as Nintendo's hoping, because I don't know how compelling it is, is, uh, check out that transition, is Donkey Kong Country Returns 3D. Coming to 3DS on May 24th. We now know what will set the DS version apart. And it's not much. Contrary to what I said last episode where I speculated there'd be nothing setting it apart, we now know there's something setting it apart, and it's not a whole lot. So the biggest addition is there's going to be an easier option called New Mode, in which DK and Diddy are now going to have three hearts instead of two by default. And they're going to have new items you can buy, buy from Cranky Kong that offer things such as uh, the ability to stop falling to your death in a pit, the ability to uh, have the minecart or rocket barrel take a second hit instead of just, you know, you're dead in the first hit or it's gone in the first hit. And even the ability to drop a DK barrel anywhere you want, which seems very cheap. Yeah, so that's the big new thing is easy mode, new mode. They're also promising local wireless co-op, which makes sense. It was a co-op game, but no online. 
and a quote new surprise uh, for those who unlock all who be all the game's trophy levels, which are unlocked only when you collect every Kong and every puzzle piece and everything. So the new surprise, if it's brand new content like a whole new set of levels, that's cool. But otherwise, I'm still not sold. I mean, obviously the game's got the 3D, which looks great based on the trailer they put on the eShop. But like to double dip, it needs a little more than to be easier. Actually, no. For me, who never beats games, easier might be good, but not good enough to spend forty dollars on. Yeah, it's kind of sad that Monster Games is spending their time doing this instead of a new Excite Truck bots. But that would have been cool on 3DS. That would have been super cool, or on Wii U. Even better on the Wii U. Oh man, don't get my hopes up. Well, maybe they'll do it after this. But I don't know. This game just seems like I don't know who needed this. Why is this? Why does Donkey Kong Returns 3D exist? Clearly, not enough people bought it. It, they did, though. It was the like, best-selling Wii game of the holiday season. It was the only Wii game of the holiday season. But, um, I don't know. It's just, like, it's weird. I mean, for those who haven't played it, it's a great reason to play it, and it adds stuff. But for those who have played it, what's the point of double-dipping? In my mind. I know a lot of people are excited about it who have double-dipped. I want to give Nintendo money. I guess. I mean, I like giving Nintendo money. I've given them thousands of dollars over the years. But, and they've given me stuff in return. I don't just mean games. I mean... I don't just mean the playing of the games I own. I mean, they have literally given me Game Boys and games and posters. And I'm bragging now. I'm sorry. But uh, I don't know. This just seems unnecessary. But let's go in brand new games that might feel a little more necessary because they're fresh. Uh, first one up is actually from the guys at uh, Nico Entertainment. You may know them as the team behind Puddle. They poured Puddle to the Wii U in January. And now they're porting a different game to the Wii U eShop. This time, it's a game called Kung Fu Rabbit. Yes, Kung Fu Rabbit. It originally started on iOS and Android, and it was originally by a different developer, and Niku, or Neku, or however you say their name. Neko? Neko? That makes more sense than Neku, doesn't it? Why am I saying Neku? Neko. Maybe you want to pronounce it like it was you. Maybe I want to pronounce it like it was like, I don't know. Niku sounds more Japanese, but I think Neko is a European Neko, Neko is Japanese for cat. And their logo's a cat. Oh my god, they're Japanese. Wow. That's sad. I was like, oh, it's Russian, and then no, it's Japanese. <laughs> Uh, well, anyway, Neko. Okay, so Neko Entertainment. Let's backtrack here. Neko Entertainment, Puddle. Neko Entertainment, new game, Kung Fu Rabbit. So I was going to Wii U. Uh, they took the, they saw this game from another developer. It's a 2D platformer. You play as a rabbit who knows Kung Fu. Of course. That's why it's called Kung Fu Rabbit, you know. And you have to save, you have to save his disciples. You're, it's, uh, you're going through 81, le- or sorry, 80 levels. Yikes. There are 15 unlockable items that you can use to boost your Kung Fu and your rabbitry. And, uh... For the Wii U edition, they really saw the opportunity to take, you know, a platformer with no buttons and give it buttons so it's more of a crisp, you know, more of a true platformer. Because platformers, unless they're auto-running, kind of suck on touchscreen-only devices, in my mind. And I guess they agree. So, Kung Fu Rabbit, when it comes out, it will support the Wii U gamepad, the Pro Controller, the Wii Remote, the Wii Classic Controller. Basically, anything that has buttons that can work with your Wii U can play this game. I have no idea if there's any sort of um, Wii U exclusive features. But we should find out pretty soon, considering it's already been submitted to Nintendo's eShop team, and it's already in the process of being approved, and it should be out within the next couple weeks. Talk about a stealth release. Almost as stealthy as Puddle. I think we found out about Puddle, like, a month before it came out. Yeah. So, I mean, Puddle, you played Puddle. You thought it was pretty good, right? Yeah, I said it was relaxing. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if, Neko? Neko. Neko? Like, Gecko, but with an N? Yeah. So, if Neko, or, like, your neck, but with a Cheerio on it? Neko. So, if Neko... Uh, you know, if they make a good call with Puddle, then presumably Kung Fu Rabbit will be a good call, too. Be, it might be worth checking out, especially since there's not a whole lot coming out for, for the Wii U the rest of this month. We just got Toki Tori, too, but I think that's it. 
So, might be worth checking out. Another game that's a little further off, but is also bound for the Wii U eShop, is actually a bit more interesting in terms of its concept, and that's uh, Citizens of Earth. It's going to be a brand new RPG, not a port, from a company called, uh, or a developer, I should say, called Eden Industries. And on the surface, it kind of looks a lot graphically like Earthbound. Like, it has the same sprite work. It looks a lot like Mother 3, specifically. Um, but what's obviously more important than graphics is gameplay. And how this works is, you're, as a player, you take on the role of the vice president of the world. Why not the president? I don't know. We should contact the developer and ask. I can find that contact info. Next episode, sure. we'll tell you why it's not the president. No, I have no idea. But, um, so you're the vice president of the world, and... You have an entire city at your disposal to explore and interact with uh, the citizens of the city, or citizens of Earth, hence the name. Anyway, uh, you have an entire reason to interact, or your entire city to interact with them. And they could take some of the citizens with you to form a battle party and go out and explore the world and fight threats and whatnot. So when you recruit these townsfolk into battle, that's actually, in my mind, where things kind of get the most interesting. So there's 50 different characters you can recruit. And by bringing them into battle, you're not only boosting their battle skills like you would in a normal RPG, but you're also boosting what they do back in the city. And all the characters are people from the city. So, for example, you could bring a baker along with you. And not only will he boost his battle stats and make him a better fighter, but when you go back to the city, he'll start giving you better items to help you generate health. So as you progress through the game, the only way you know, to do super well is you're back in the city, you're getting the baker's items, and then you can go to the next dungeon. So you need to be strategic with who you bring with you. Plus, all 50 characters have attacks based on their profession. There's a barista who throws hot coffee at enemies. You know, stuff like that. Um, on top of that, there's also a variety of enemies, interesting enemies. This also reminds me of Earthbound a lot. There's a lot of enemies that are kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek. For example, there's a uh, bald eagle wearing a toupee, appropriately called a toupee eagle. Okay. There's a honey bear, which is a bear shaped like a bottle of honey, but one of the bear bottles of honey. Oh. Like, it's a living bottle of, you know, the bear ball for honey. Yeah, it's yeah. like a living one of those. And there's also something that they call Rastafarian Samurai. I don't know what that means exactly. Their own version of Afro Samurai. I guess. It's Rastafarian Samurai. Yeah, well, that's a little different. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I don't know. But either way, all these battles, as you fight these crazy enemies, it's going to all be turn-based. And yes, you can fight online against friends. So it all sounds kind of intriguing, but it's going to be a while to actually try it out. Uh, the game will be hitting Wii U as well as PC, Mac, Steam... Well, I don't know about Steam. PC, Mac, iOS, and Android. It's coming to all those things in March 2014. 11 months from now. Oh. So, so if you were excited about it, go ahead, dial that back. Pretend we didn't even talk about it. Maybe even, like, skip this part of the podcast by going back in time and skipping over it so you don't get excited. Because it sounds really cool, but it's a ways away. And we don't know anything about Wii U-specific features, how it uses Gamepad or Miiverse or anything like that. But obviously, they have a year to figure it out. So something to keep on your radar, on your very distant radar. Um, yeah, and that's, that, that's new eShop games on the Wii U. But if we switch over from those kind of more indie games to a bit more mainstream, we have news of a new 3DS tile from Atlas that's sure to excite a handful of our listeners at least. And that's the uh, fourth entry in Shin Megami Tensei, appropriately called Shin Megami Tensei 4. Oh. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> yes, it is. It's coming. It's the first sequel in a decade, actually. It was uh, the last true Shin Megami Tensei game was Jim Gong Tensei 3 on the PlayStation 2 almost a decade ago. And now this fourth entry is hitting the U.S. Uh, on 3DS exclusively this summer. So they've had a bunch of spin-offs in between. You know, there's been Persona, there's been um, Devil Summoner. Devil Summoner was on 3DS, so it's coming on 3DS. No, yeah, it comes out this month. That's the one that was on a... That's Devil Soul Summoner, Hacker, right? Yeah. 
Double so- Shimigami Tensei Double Summoner Soul Hacker. It either just came out or about to come out. I think it's about to come out. Yeah, it comes out in like two weeks. Overclock? That was the remake of the DS one? Yeah. Well, all of these are all in the same franchise, but this is the first true sequel in the main Mothership franchise, so to speak, in ten years. So, there's that. Um, and like the other games, it, like all the games in the franchise, it's got to be set in a post-apocalyptic world. You're in post-apocalyptic Tokyo. You're part of a legion of protectors known as the Samurai. A lot of Samurais this episode. And these are not Rastafarian Samurais, unfortunately. They're just normal post-apocalyptic Samurais. Um... But they're they're cast with protecting the world as samurais are, and uh, to do this, players are going to be much like in all the other Shimigami games. They're going to be uh, recruiting and fusing various demons in a quest to battle other demons. So the battles are going to use what Atlas is calling a new uh, press turn system. So it's not they claim it's not just uh, you know normal turn based battles, but instead you got to be very strategic. And think about the weaknesses of opponents and when you can best strike. And at the same time, guard against them get sneaking in extra attacks against you. So it's not like a simple, your move, my move, my move, your move. Like, there's got to be a lot of, like, more strategy gameplay. Oh. If that makes sense. Um, at least that's what they claim. The game's also got to be very heavily influenced by player decisions and actions. Beyond just, like, you know, hobby strategic and bow. They're promising over 400 demons. Which is a pretty good chunk. And you can fuse them in various ways and make different teams. So a lot of them are just color palette swaps. Hopefully yeah. not, yeah. But, uh, so yeah, you're going to be able, whether they are or not, you're going to be able to make different combos of them. So if you want, if they are just palette swaps, you can make your own rainbow. So there's that. But, um, and also in terms of the story, it's going to be very uh, player driven in the sense that it's got a branching story pass, and every NPC character you talk to, whenever there's multiple choices of you know responses, that's going to dictate how the story turns out. Like, any low moment, a decision could potentially affect the outcome of the game. So, which seems to be very common in games of this nature. Which is good, because it has tons of, re- you know, tons of replayability. So, on a more general level, since it's a 3DS game, Atlas is promising Street Pass support, full uh, 3D dungeons, and it will be a fully voiced dialogue. Fully, the dialogue will be fully voiced, or will have voices at some point. Oh, at really? least. Yeah. So, uh, it's out this summer, like I said, and because it's, I guess... Atlas is calling it a premium product, so they're charging fifty for it. Oh wow! I imagine that they're going to be including a soundtrack or something, but they're charging fifty. So, you know, I think considering this is the second half of the Fire Emblem crossover Nintendo and Atlas are doing, you know, it's Fire Emblem Cross Shimigami Tensei. Everyone knows Fire Emblem now, thanks to Awakening, if not before. So now it's a chance for three SNRs to experience Shimigami Tensei. So I can actually see us doing pretty well, you know, at least among Nintendo fans, is there. Seeing what the other half of the crossover is all about. Hopefully it goes well, otherwise it'll just be like, oh, yeah, well, the I'm, half of the game will be? No, it'll go, it'll go well. I mean, the game's been out, it's, I think it's been out in Japan, or it's about to come out in Japan, but it's been getting good press, so. Um, you know, and, and if not, Shimigami itself, Shimigami Tensei itself has a pretty big following, so the game will do fine. But, I mean, I'm slightly curious just because of the crossover. I would not have thought anything of it. I never would have thought anything of it until the crossover happened, but now it's happening. I'm like, well, let's see what this is about. I mean, that's why I got into the Raiden series, because of that crossover that we might with, not get anymore. With Ace Attorney. No, we're still getting it. Just wait till E3 in June. I'm sure it'll be announced. Ace Attorney versus Layton? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it'll be announced. I take back my sureness. I'm hopeful it'll be announced. <laughs> but, um... Guarantee it. I can't guarantee it. You know what? We want to go over level five? Their office is here in LA. We could take, we could take the microphone and storm in their now-closed office, because it's a weekend when we're recording, and... And posting. Yeah, let's just go to level five. Let's just go on a road trip. We'll take the microphone, we'll storm in, and we'll do one of those, like, attack things that, like, Michael Moore does in his documentary to be like, 
where's it and just like bombard them with questions and just throw the mic in their face and see what they say and then we'll get kicked out and arrested for trespassing because we'd be breaking and entering right now because they're not even open well, it's a solid plan through and through I can wait two months <laughs> okay actually you know what game we could use to train to do our to do our little mission brain age no check out this transition you know what game we can use to train our driving over there and breaking in and stealing information Fast and Furious Showdown for the Wii U and 3DS from Activision. That sounds like a quality game. I suck. Like I'm getting paid, but I'm really not. Uh, I don't know how quality it will be. Well, here's what we do know. Uh, it was announced. That's what we know. It was announced. Uh, it was just announced, and it's um, obviously tying in with the upcoming Fast 6. It's going to be on Wii U and 3DS, like I think I just said. And it's being developed by Firebrand Games, who is actually a team behind the Wii edition and the 3DS edition of Need for Speed The Run a few years back. Firebrand Games. I don't know how Need for Speed The Run was. But if anyone knows how that was, that's what you could expect from this, presumably. <laughs> so, I don't know what Wait, that the means. The one where you could go the run. The run ride. is the one where it was, like, not even need for speed. Like, half of it was on foot, yeah. Mm. So, they're doing this. So, um, I, I think a lot of that's going to transfer over. Because what we do know is, for this game, the goal is to combine both the heist and the racing of the movies. Which means you're going to be rotating over 31 missions. Between driving, shooting, and being, quote, a daredevil, and, quote, a tactician. I don't know what a tactician gameplay is in a racing game, or what daredevil gameplay is in a racing game when you're not racing or shooting, because those sound daredevil-y to me. But I guess there's a third category of daredevil? Parkour. Uh... Parkour. <laughs> Off only. But I wouldn't be surprised if they take a lot of the uh, on-foot stuff from the run and kind of integrate it into this. They have the experience. So, on top of the main 31 missions, there's also a challenge mode. It will have online leaderboards. And there's a co-op mode for two players, and you can customize your car. So if all this sounds possibly intriguing, it could be. Or if it sounds like a cheap cash-in, it also could be. Further evidence for the latter is that uh, it's going to be discounted pretty heavily when it first comes out. It hits May 21st, which is six days. It comes with a free movie ticket? No, unfortunately not. If it did. I mean, the Fast and Furious movies are kind of fun. I won't buy the game for the ticket. That doesn't make sense. I just go buy the ticket. But uh, now it comes out a few days before Fast Six. Like Fast Six is Memorial Day weekend. This comes out May twenty first, which is right before. And it's only gonna be forty bucks on Wii U and only thirty bucks on 3DS. So if that doesn't say cash in, I'm not quite sure what does. But uh, you know, there's one more Wii U game. Hey, well, yeah, might as well. Same week as uh, Resident Evil Revelations HD. I might add. Oh, I believe. Same week as Donkey Kong. What is with these trends? Same week as Donkey Kong. Why do all these games release in groups? Not April. There's like nothing in I know. It's just like March all over again where we got Lego City, Monster Hunter, Need for Speed, Luigi's Mansion, and Pokemon Mystery Dungeon all in the span of eight days. (laughs) It's crazy. But um, that's that's Fast and Furious. I almost said that's Need for Speed. Meanwhile, while we're talking about Fast and Furious, over in Japan, Nintendo's talking AR. And specifically, uh, they released a mini Nintendo Direct. Remember when I said to be a Nintendo Direct last episode, between last episode and this episode? I was right. I was wrong about its content by, like, a lot. But I was right that one happened. So, point Jason. Half point Jason. But they had a new Nintendo Direct over in Japan. It was a mini one. They talked about some upcoming eShop games that we already know of. You know, uh, Dylan's Drawing Western 2, which actually, the last uh, Ranger, which actually comes out next week. So, for those who are interested, that's hitting the eShop very soon. Um... Anyway, they talked about this new thing called Photos Together with Super Mario. It's a new free 3DS app. It's being developed by EAD Tokyo. I want to take pictures of Mario. I do too. Well, Mario was here. Mario and Luigi were here. I want to take more pictures. Mario and Luigi were here. I want to take pictures of Bowser. Forget Mario and Bowser. You can do Bowser. But, um, eventually. 
Wait, when were they here? What, when was March of last year? Memorial Party Party Island. Whenever, yeah, whenever. we talked about We had photos from it about a year ago. Yeah, March. What episode was it? Go into our archive. Look at March of, of 2012. Mario and Luigi showed up at Jose's house. In the very room we're recording, they showed up and danced and gave him a Wii and Mario Party. Nine. Nine. Yeah, no, this really happened. There are pictures. We have a, a picture of them walking down in the middle of a street with a car coming at them, but you can't see the car. Actually, there's no car. But no, it, it, was, it was an experience. Anyway, you can take pictures with little digital ones this time. So, the I'm going to... Uh, I kind of want to figure out what episode it was. No, it doesn't matter. It's past. Yeah, it's, look, up the, look at our March archive. Anyway, uh, links to the archive. If you go down to the bottom of the site on any page, we have links to every month that the site has that content. So just go on March 2012. It should be there. Anyway... Uh, so this new photo together with Mario is developed by EAD, EAD Tokyo. They're the team that did Galaxy and 3D Land. So it's great to see they're still doing top, top tier, de- in-depth, you know, super deep content like a AR photo app. But uh, yeah, the app will be free, but it only works with eShop, eShop gift cards that you have to purchase. Basically, it's like the eShop point card you can buy now, the $20, $50, $30. But they're going to come with a special separate card that when scanned, a, you know, a 3D model pop with the 3DS, a 3D with the app, a 3D model will appear. So it's a lot like uh, the previous AR efforts with Kid Icarus or even the AR cards that come bundled with the system. Specifically, it's like Kid Icarus because if you put multiple characters together, they'll interact with one another, just like the Kid Icarus ones did when you put two together. So um, you can then pose with the figures and do that, you know, pose with the little digital guys or like set up scenes and take photos much like all the other AR stuff and you can even take the card out of the shot and they'll stay there which I think they haven't done before with their area with their AR so that's kind of neat but um Jesus cards are going to be released in Japan the first set includes a thousand yen card featuring a Goompa two thousand yens for Mario yeah you said Goompa did I say Goompa yeah you said it with a P <laughs> Goomba. <laughs> Goompa. <laughs> did I say Goompa I think it's Goompa Loompas I guess did I really say Goompa I heard Goompa oh well Goomba Thousand yen card with Goomba, two thousand yen card with Mario, three thousand yen card with Peach. They're also gonna release a second set. This is where Bowser comes in. You get a Koopa Troopa for a thousand, Luigi for two thousand. These are yen prices, or Bowser for three thousand. Oh man, yeah. Uh, so that's like thirty bucks, I think. Up in the year they just cheap out and give them all in one. Well, here's the thing. If they I don't know them. if it's gonna come to the U.S. In Japan, every major download game for Wii U and 3DS, or every major retail they game for. Like, End of this month in Japan, hmm. the twenty third of April. Yeah, you if you go to Japan, if your plan works out, you could get them. I, I think they're limited though. I think it's only for a month or two, so you might be stuck. You, could, you can import them, but you can't get the app. Yeah, because the app's gonna be region locked to the Japanese eShop. Presume maybe Nintendo brings it. Here's the thing: Nintendo in Japan, they always release eShop cards for specific game downloads. Animal Crossing had one. All their major retail games have download cards as well as physical boxes. They don't do that in America. In America, we just have the generic card. So I don't know if this will ever come stateside because we don't seem to have a variety of cards to begin with. But if it does, I mean, it's a super clever way to get people to use to buy eShop cards. Like, I use, I use my credit card and only pay exactly however much I want to pay for whatever, you know, Harmonite or whatever it is. But with this, it's way more tempting to buy $30 worth of eShop credit and just hold on to the money. They get the money right away. I'll spend it eventually, but they get the money up front. And I get a fun little app that, you know, a fun little five, side show for five minutes. So I can see why they do it, and I can see why they bring it to America. The question is, no, for Bowser, will they? I definitely would. 
Yeah, I would honestly consider collecting all of them. Just because it's like, well, I'm going to spend the money eventually. But I'm giving, but in Nintendo... I'm going to spend it to that be... It'd be 10, 20, 30 times 2. So 10 plus 20 would be 30. Plus 30 would be 60. <laughs> times 2 would be 120. Wow. 120. 120 bucks on the eShop. If I did the... If I did the... Uh, the currency exchange correct and that's only the 3ds too huh it's not just the eShop credits that i could use on the wii u also no i i think they're standard eShop cards you can use them on anything oh. the card and the ar card the eShop card and the ar card are in a bundle together oh, so the eShop gotcha, card gotcha, itself gotcha, can do gotcha, whatever gotcha, yeah, yeah. Right, right. but yeah so that's in gotcha. japan we'll, we'll we'll see if that comes to america like they're gonna they're gonna pair them for example with download cards for pokemon rumble u when it comes out which is smart because it ties in with the figurines that we talked about last episode. Nintendo's being very smart with how they're bridging retail and digital. Anyway, uh, going from informa- going from announcements of brand new games to stuff, new stuff on games we know, we're kind of like zigzagging with all this. Uh, we have news about Yacht Club Games and their retro platformer Shovel Knight. Actually, some pretty good news. Happy to say the game has been fully funded on Kickstarter, which means it's 100% coming to the Wii U and the 3DS now. This is that 8-bit platformer inspired by like some Mega Man and, and DuckTales and Mario, for those who may not remember. Very Mega Man inspired. Um, and now that they have hit their goal, they're actually going to stretch goals, which means every new milestone they hit, they're already something like 30,000 above their goal. They'll introduce new stuff at every milestone. So, so far, in addition to the main game, people have paid enough money to get a uh, custom achievement system, a music player, a new boss character, a new game plus mode that lets you go back to the game once you beat it but keep all your items and face harder enemies, and, most significantly, a big new music contributor. Would you like to say the name so I don't butcher it? Manami Matsume? Sure. She is the composer of a lot of classic songs from Mega Man. In fact, Mega Man's death sound was her. She did that. And a bunch of songs like Cut Man and whatnot. And she is contributing. She's worked on a lot of Capcom games over the years and independently for other companies. And she's contributing two new songs to Shovel Knight. Interestingly, this is actually her first time working with a Western developer ever. Even though she's been involved in video games since the late 80s. So that's kind of a big grab for these guys at Yacht Club. I mean, you know, they're a relatively small outfit. They're kickstarting their game and then they got this very important, not important, but very big Damn, composer. Look at them. Yeah. So, and they're still promising. And they're looking more. up for them. Yeah, and I mean they well, they've still, been looking up. Yeah, and I mean and they got a free dev kit from Nintendo for the Wii U supposedly. That's what the that's what the Twitterverse is telling me. Uh, but uh, also, you know, they're they're gonna be adding more. They're still, I think, as of the day this gets posted, which is April seventh, perhaps. Is it April seventh? Do you have a calendar, Mandy? No. You do not have a calendar. Yeah, it is. Yes. So as of April seventh, <laughs> that took way too much effort. Uh, they're at least. 30,000 over, and they at least have four more stretch goals. So, yeah, keep funding in. They'll keep adding stuff, which is actually one of the really cool things about Kickstarters. People are really shaping the game with how much they contribute. So, they're going to have playable boss characters if the money keeps rolling in. Huh. Yep. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so that's, uh, that's Shovel Knight, and that's all the new game news. One thing I did want to mention before we get to um, a couple... Actually, no, there's a couple more things. Sorry. One thing I did want to mention before we get to the other thing that we were going to mention <laughs> is uh, Need for Speed Most Wanted. I talked about it a lot last episode, I know. But this was too good to pass up. There is a new Easter egg that I recently found by the internet, and it's a very big one for Nintendo fans. It's, it's really just too good not to share. So basically, um, scattered around the game's open world, it turns out, are three warp pipes, giant green pipes. And if you drive in the green pipe or park on it and get lowered down, you enter a special garage 
Nintendo themed. It looks kind of like Mario 1-1, kind of, level 1-1, kind of. And in the garage are special Nintendo cars. So there are three cars. There's a red and blue, uh, I'm sorry if I pronounce these car names, they're super, like, rare cars. Ariel Atom, and it repl- and it's, you know, representing Mario, it's red and blue. There's a pink Cater- Caterham, representing Princess Peach, and a green BAC Mono that represents Yoshi. Bach? No, I think it's BAC, it's all caps. Back? BAC. It's like, it's like someone's initials, you don't say them out, you don't spell them, slur them together into a word. Why not? Because you're not, oh, well, fine, do what you want. But, <laughs> What? Can't stop me. That's true, I can't. But anyway, since these cards are special, and all Nintendo-themed, you can't change the paint job, not obviously, and you can only use them in single-player. Uh, every mod and milestone you get with the car is the same as if with the non-special versions. But hey, it's super cool. There's like a little cave. It's like a Nintendo cave in the middle of the game. And it has like warp pipes and everything. It's great. It really shows, you know, that the guys at Criterion are big fans of Nintendo and really put effort into this game, which if you want full impressions of which basically the impressions are, it's really good. Check out last episode, episode 39, Monsters Wide, where I go really in-depth with my impressions to basically say how great the game is, because it's really great. Also, if you want to find these warp pipes for yourself, if you go to our episode 40 blog post, uh, once again, scroll down to news, we have a link to the blog post at Polygon, where they have a map of all the locations, all the entrances and exits for each of these three secret caves, so you can go get the cards for yourself if you own Most Wanted. Also, if you own Most Wanted, you should add me as a friend on Meverse, Jason R., so I can have you in my auto log, and we can compete and see who's the better racer. And it's going to be you, because I'm not playing it nearly as much as I should. So if you want to have an ego boost automatically, just add me as a friend. <laughs> It'll happen. Uh, so yeah, I just I just needed to share that. I've yet to try it myself, but it looks really cool in the videos I saw. Yes. Yes. You have nothing to add, I know, but I just wanted to really quickly. Um, now, before I get to what we're playing, there are two upgrades worth mentioning for people who own a couple 3DS apps. So first up... This one isn't here yet, and not very pe- many people seem to know about it, but Swap Note's getting an update. In fact, oh. in Europe and Japan, where it's called Letterbox, it already got an update. So, uh, the app, which was recently pushed abroad, uh, now lets you have the ability to take pictures and video, or video, p- take pictures and record sound from within the app when you make a new note. You don't need to go to the sound, you know, 3DS sound or 3DS pictures in order to do it. You can do it right then and there and just, you know, within. So that's kind of nice. You don't have to think ahead before you write the note. Yeah. And you also can now, in your replies to people, you can include photos and sounds. It used to be you can only write. Now you can include whatever you want in your replies, which is going to cause all sorts of problems with your random swap notes you and your brother send me. I know it. No, no. It's going to be a disaster in the best possible way. Meme Jason will be used a lot more. Meme Jason? Oh, yeah, the photo <laughs> of me that looks like, yeah. Anyway, um, one other thing you can do is... Uh, you can now change the color of your ink on each individual page of a note. Oh, finally. Was that really a big issue for you? Yeah. I only see you use I'm, black anyway. Yeah, because it, it all has to be one color. That's why I don't even bother. Well, now you can do one because per page. I it's want, still one color on each page, but you get a different color for each page. I know, that's, I mean, that's better. I could, like, do different, like, em, I don't know, emphasize yeah. different things, but it gets kind of annoying. I'd rather not use right. colors. Cause, yeah. Most significantly, in my mind, though, is that you can now not only sort by date, but also you can sort all your letters by sender. So I could very easily filter out your and your brother's random messages to me and only see the true messages from no one else. I don't know. It's YouTube and Nintendo. It's like YouTube and Nintendo. No, I download Swap Note day one because it's a Nintendo thing. You're the only no, reason no, I keep checking well, it. No, that's not. You're yeah. the only reason we keep, we keep yeah. using it. But no, I'm kind of looking forward for the update just to mess with a couple of the features. And speaking of artsy updates, 
Oh, yeah, one other thing. NOA, Nintendo America, has not announced any plans to bring this to North America, but considering it's out in Europe and Japan already, and considering the app is supported, I think, internationally, like, I think you communicate with the MFMA region, it's really only a matter of time before they do. I'm kind of shocked they haven't done it yet, but I guarantee in the next couple of weeks we'll have it. So, hmm. one other artsy... Now for that transition I have in the back of my head. One other artsy 3DS game on the way, or that got an update, I mean, is uh, Colors 3D. We've talked about this one a little before, but yep. Excuse me. The update hit on this past Thursday on April fifth, and it lets you basically turn Colors 3D into a bit of a social network. So it was announced a while back, but here's a refresher of what you can do with it. The biggest new feature is that you can now follow other users in Colors 3D. Each user now has a profile with a description and a profile picture. And by following someone, they will appear on a new news feed, much like how it works in Miiverse. We can see their drawings, right? That's actually feed. really, really convenient. Finding yeah. drawings at all. Like, I mean, you could look at the most popular ones or the best mm -hmm. ones, but if you want to find anything in particular, or if you forget where one was right. and you want to see again, it's... Really now you can follow the user. Or, other thing you could do is they now include hashtags, much like Instagram. Yeah, much like Instagram, where you could tag your pictures with random words, and then when you click the hashtag, it will load up other pictures that are tagged with the same words. So I don't know why I had to explain hashtags. But that's how it works for those of you who haven't been on Twitter or Instagram or the internet in the past five years. If so, how are you listening to us? Mister, I haven't been on the internet in five years. That's that's pretty impressive that they found us without going on the internet. Yep. Yep. We must be broadcast like in some random country. If they are listening to us without going on the internet. Maybe we're like a pirate radio station in like Croatia. Wouldn't that be great if we're just being broadcast in Croatia? I don't know what this tangent is. Anyway, there's nowhere, there's nothing to say. <laughs> so one final thing to say about Colors 3D, or two things. One, they also, this is one I remember being super excited about the last time we talked about Colors 3D a few episodes ago. They have a filter that lets you look only at drawings that don't use a reference uh, reference image. In other words, non-traced drawings. You can turn those on and off. It somehow tracks that. And two, the Colors 3D team is really trying to get people to re-engage with Colors 3D because they're going to be doing a host of co uh, competitions and contests where you, they give you a topic to draw, you draw it, and then the winners will win prizes. The first prize, a Wii U. So, if you have Colors 3D and you want a Wii U, this is a great way to get one if you're good at art. That's a big catch. You have to be good. But it's cool that they're doing that. This is coming out of their own pockets. That they're, but Wii U a, pass with flying colors? I think my Croatia pirate radio thing was way better than that pun. It made no sense, and it was dragged on way too long. Once again, I'm dragging it on. But I think it was better than that pun, in my mind. Granted, I'm How biased. Did you a pun and a tangent? My tangent was random and made no sense, just like your pun. No, your pun made sense. My pun was relevant. <sighs> you win. <laughs> and with that, that's it for the news. That's what's up with Nintendo these past two weeks. Um, however, we're, we still have a good chunk of stuff to talk about because we have been playing. We always talk about what we're playing, and lately we've been playing two pretty high-profile first-party titles from Nintendo. One is retail, one is eShop. On the retail side, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon came out the day of our last episode, so we have saw two weeks to play it and give a pretty in-depth impression. More than enough time to play it. Yeah, <laughs> and the other is uh, came out in the middle of the gap of our episodes, and that is Harmonite from the gang over at Game Freak, best known for Pokemon. So also more than enough time to play it. So let's start with retail. Yeah, so let's start with retail and then work our way to eShop, and we'll do Luigi's Mansion first. Uh, so Jason, what are your thoughts on Luigi's Mansion? Oh, <laughs> thanks for asking. It's like it's like I wasn't gonna say them, but then you asked. Uh, okay. So I, I guess there's a couple of things. Uh, feel free to jump in, obviously, Jose, with whatever. But um, well, I'll start with the it's good. It's good, but not as good in my I opinion really as like the first it. one. I see. We'll get. Yeah, we're gonna have a little debate about that. Um, I'll talk about the great things. Let's start there. So first of all, the presentation of the game. 
the whole vibe of the game is so spot on. It's so great. Next Level Games has such an attention to detail that works wonders for the, like, cutscenes and just little things like Luigi, how he jumps back. But, like, every all the animations, all the atmosphere, Luigi humming along to the music, it all feels like Luigi's Mansion. And when, the second I turn it on, I'm like, this is perfect. This is exactly what I imagined. This is as great as could be. And I remember you... Top-notch quality. Yeah, it, it's really great. And, like, I remember you were saying in past episodes that the graphics seemed not as good as the first game. But I went back and looked at YouTube videos of the first game because I'm too lazy to dig it out for my GameCube. And even though it's sitting on a shelf in plain sight. <laughs> and um, I'll admit the lighting is worse because they chose to go with brighter environments. It does make shadows and like mysterious objects. But the animation's better. Luigi's movement's more natural. Uh, just the, the, the like geometry yeah, of everything every, has a lot of... Like, it's very wavy look. Luigi... It's definitely better on this new one. Yeah, but, it's... Overall, I'm very happy. But I still think, um... I don't know. Designs of the other ghosts and stuff is a little... I don't know. So yeah, I'll I think admit, they tried more. In this one or that no, one? No, no, in the old one. I'll admit, in that one, there were a lot more unique ghosts. Because every ghost... Like, you know, you go in the nursery and there's a baby and it's parent or whatever. You know, like, the ghost kind of had a story yeah, that each, fit Each the, one was its own puzzle. And yeah, and it had a story I that fit like the room they never they explained in. that. They said, like, oh, you're just in these people's house. It right. made it creepier. Because, like, oh, who are yeah. these people? Yeah, and, it seems like they kind of scale back the creepiness a little. It's more yeah. whimsical now. Yeah, because each ghost person was a puzzle and creepy. And, yeah, and, and, um, and they each fit the room they were in. Now it's just kind of like random ghost X is playing a organ. Okay. Except that same random ghost. Oh, you're in the kitchen. Now they're using the front. Yeah, and it's the same you. ghost. Or it's like, yeah. I, I mean, mean like, you have to approach them differently, but... Yeah. yeah. But ignoring that, the app, like, just the vibe of yeah, the game I mean, just felt still, right. Yeah. It felt very right. I, I do it miss, felt so right. I, I do miss the orange ghost laugh. Even though this new laugh is also just as good. I mean, they're, right. they're good. They're just they're different. And, the ghost, they're and, just different. Nice. and I do like that the ghosts themselves have more personality than just, we're scary. Like, I mean, in the old game, yeah, each ghost in each themed room had the personality that matched the room, but all the generic ghosts were just that, generic. But in this one, no, even though... They, they, they were still... But there. no, but like the in or- this the one... The orange ones tried to scare you more, the No, no, the but I mean, like, in this one, in this one... You. Yeah, but in this one, like, the red ones are, like, bullies. Like, they have, like, full bully oh. personality. Or, like, the green ones are mischievous and, like, just goof around and play yeah, catch yeah, yeah, yeah. and mess with stuff. Like, they all kind yeah, of have definitely... a feel... Like, they all have a personality. They, yeah, they, they, you could tell they try to make the ghosts more characters than the last ones. The last ones, they're... I mean... You just knew how to put, okay, the orange ones, okay, they're easy. The right, right. That. But these are like, like oh. Okay. Yeah, or like the blue ones always hide in things. Like, that's more of a strategy thing. But even then, when they pop out from what they're hiding in, they don't just pop out. They, like, taunt you, almost. Like, yeah. little things like that. But, you know, looking beyond just the feel of the game. Oh, and also one thing really worth mentioning, the 3D in this is great. Mm-hmm. Like, this is one of those few games that's like, oh, like this, Paper Mario, Pilot Wings. Super Mario 3D Land. Super Mario 3D Land. Those are the few that are really, like, okay, the 3D this is necessary. Like, it really adds to the experience. Like, the first boss in this game, without spoiling too much, goes into the screen. Multiple layers into the screen. You keep, like, going further further back. And you're like, whoa, that's kind of neat. Or, like, there's one part where you have to, like, tiptoe over a, basically a tightrope of sorts. Or a really narrow uh, beam. When beam, And the camera kind of goes above Luigi, and it really looks like there's a huge drop under him. Like, little things like that. And even just, like, you're walking through basically a giant dollhouse. Yeah. So it, it's, it's you know, it's a really nice touch. That, that first boss, though, like, as awesome as it was, it unfortunately for me, that kind of... Set the bar too high for the others? Yeah, way too high. It's almost like it was designed by someone else. It almost felt like it was... Yeah, it, you know what? It felt that, like it was pulled that, out from a Zelda game and plopped well, yeah, in. Yeah, I think... Because, oh, I mean... Because it was really creative. It's not just... You're not just finding a boss, you're using the environment to after that, beat I mean, the boss. I mean, without spoiling anything either, they're just... They're just kind of there. You... This one you do yeah. different thing. You do the same thing, but differently every time. And the other ones you kind of do the exact same thing. Yeah, but time. yeah, and like this one, especially really... one boss towards the end, that 
if you if you definitely get a like oh I already did this a long time ago yeah and it's not as impressive anymore but yeah well I, I mean it almost sounds like we're downloading a game cause, but but so we're not I don't yeah. think at least I'm not you can obviously speak for yourself but I think the core gameplay of Luigi Mansion is preserved really well I mean. Dark Moon at its core, it's still basically Nintendo's take on point and click adventures. You're still going every room, interacting yeah, with every its possible. Genre. It's like it, yeah, it's like it's a point. It's yeah, it's its own point and click adventure, but the character's right there in front of you. Like you're con- you're pointing and clicking with the fingers of the character, not with your stylus on a touchscreen or a mouse on a computer. Like there's a person representing your point and clicks. But that's really what it is. If you think about it, you're exploring every nook and cranny, trying to find every item, trying to unlock every secret. Oh, one other cool thing, actually, speaking of finding everything. I don't know how often you did this. Have you looked into the nooks and crannies and peeked into other rooms? Yeah. That's a great use of 3D. So it goes yeah. into, like, a Luigi's first-person mode, and it's literally like you're looking in another room. Like, the border of the screen has, like, eye shape, you know, kind of curved shadows. And then it's just you looking, and you see, like, a whole scene play out with the ghost doing whatever it's doing in the other room. And you can look around at the 3DS by moving the system or by or moving the camera, yeah. or the stick. But it just it feels really like this is cool 3D. It's a lot like uh, Mario 3D Land's looking for Toad yeah. with the binoculars, but this is like done right. That felt kind of gimmicky. This feels like oh, you're seeing what's in the other room. Like it, it kind of teases what's ahead in that mission as well, which is kind of nice. Like where you ultimately need to go is often what you're peeking at. So I yeah, figure out how to get there. But back to the core gameplay. Um, so yeah, it has that point quick vibe in my mind. And they did kind of change up a major mechanic of ghost catching. It used to be more like uh, Miyamoto's used the analogy of it was like fishing. Like, you're reeling them in with one stick while you were aiming with the other. And now, the analogy I'm seeing next-level games use is that it's more like tug-of-war, which is, which I think is accurate. Like, you're pulling. Yeah, this one felt you're really just more, pulling. You're felt... yanking and being yanked wherever you need to go, but you're yanking back as much as you can versus reeling in, yeah. which is different. I mean, it was a little easier. Than ca- and It's definitely easier catching ghosts now, but yeah. it also felt almost, as, almost a little funner just because you're doing it a lot quicker. Yeah, and, and the fact that you can add, like, a boost to your suction by, like, building up your meter and hitting A at the right moment is a nice, yeah. you know, that helps make it more, like, engaging than just holding back on the stick and moving in the opposite direction of the ghost. But I will say I do kind of miss the C-stick for aiming. I mean, the, moving the, set, you have two ways that you can move, and I don't just mean, like, with the ghost. I mean, like, looking around, looking up and down. You have two ways you can do it. You can either use the, uh... X or B. X or A. X or A. Can I check that? I think it's A. I think it's X or A. I almost dropped a studios. X or A. X or B. Are you playing Layton? He's playing Layton. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can either use X or B. X goes up. Didn't B goes. Right. Sorry. X goes up. Go. B goes down. Uh, you know, like tilts up, tilts down. Or you can move the system up or down when you're holding um, the vacuum button. Yeah. Problem with moving the system, 3D breaks. Problem with hitting X or B is that's kind of cumbersome if you're using the strobe light and trying to look down or up because you're like, wedging your finger to, like, well, Y and B or honestly, X like, and that, that Y. Honestly, like, that a little bit getting used to it, t- but, but I figured it out, like, I don't know. Oh, I yeah, yeah. No, like, it, once it got easy, like, I, it was just second nature. Didn't yeah, but the problem me. is, with a C-stick, it's instantly second nature. This, you had to get used to it. That's the difference. Well, yeah. However, it's a minor nitpick. It works well. It certainly well, yeah, works well. Yeah, because the levels were designed for it, almost. Yeah, the game was built around this control mechanism. It wasn't like they were substituting a C-stick. I just, a couple times, I was like, man, the C-stick would be good right now. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, I mean, like, like the only times I ever felt it was, uh, the only times I ever thought it was annoying was when you were hunting ghosts, and you're charging up the strobe light, but then the ghost is completely behind you, yep. so you kind of have to, like, let go and turn around and then charge it again instead of just See, I had that same problem. Turning around. Yeah, that's why I'm saying, like, the C-stick would be easier. But usually for environmental things or when you're searching for things, it's not really that big of a deal. Yeah, no, not at all. It's only in the heat of the moment. Yeah. But, um, but I mean, yeah, by changing it from that, uh, but by changing the heat of the moment 
ghost hunting from the fishing to the tug of war, to use their analogies, it really does, you know, alleviate the potential. Because it would be a lot harder to reel in a ghost if you, you know, with face buttons. So they fixed that. Um, and honestly, another another really good thing I like about Dark Moon is that it's really more of a full-fledged game than the first Luigi's Mansion. The first Luigi's Mansion was really fun but really short. But this one, three years of development, you know, I guess paid off. It has a five-mansion mission. It has, which, you know, they only take a few hours each, but certainly more than the first game. And it has, uh, Actually, in terms of I raw number of it took me as long to beat this one as really? I did the first one. How long did it take to beat, I beat each, the first each, one? Each mention took me about, like, maybe a little, like, 40 minutes, around 40 really? minutes, maybe half an it's hour. It's take me about an hour, I mentioned. And then one man, well... I don't know, I kind of... But that's why the first, I'm only on the end of the second And mansion. then one of the later mentions has less levels. Like, And I thought, uh, I'm like, oh, maybe that's to make up for the last mention having more levels, right. but it only has five. Uh, but... But, I mean, that's not to say bad. I mean, you could replay them more like you get like a higher score, because, I mean, you get ranked. So. Right. Yeah, that's that's something we'll get to in a minute, because that's your big complaint about it, I know. But I just, you know, just outlining the rest of the game. So, okay, maybe single player isn't as long. I'm not that... F- I, it seemed longer at it's first. Def- no, I think it's definitely longer. It's definitely okay. Longer. I mean, you have more stuff to do, too. So. Yeah, that's true. But more importantly, they also had a multiplayer mode. It's actually pretty fun. It's available online and off. It's up to four players. They call it, We've talked about it many times on the show, Screamscraper? Yeah. Screamscraper. And it has three different modes. Uh, there's a hunter mode where you're just going around collecting ghosts. There's a raid mode where you're trying to get out of the each floor as fast as you can by finding the switches that get you to the next floor. Ghosts, if they're in the way, you suck them up. If they're not, you ignore them. And Polter Pup, where you're chasing down the Polter Pup uh, using the strobe light. So each of those plays pretty differently, even though it's the same basic idea. The, ro- the towers are randomly generated, although I noticed a lot of repeating rooms in our play session. And it's available online and off. If you play online, you have to have four people. If you play offline, you can do one through four, so you can play by yourself. However, it's clearly made for four people. Like It does not scale in size or difficulty like the Nintendo Land attractions do, depending on how many people. It's four people through and through. Yeah, because that Polter Pup one definitely... Was a pain. Yeah, it took a long time. Because <laughs> it's just the two of us playing, yeah. But overall, I am... Of the things we've discussed thus far, I'm extremely happy with the game. It's really everything I want from the Luigi's Mansion sequel. One thing I know that bugged you that I was okay with, even still, I've gotten to the parts you're talking about, is uh, the original game was very exploratory. You, in the first Luigi's Mansion, you have one mansion at your fingertips, and you're constantly going back to the same rooms, but you're also finding new rooms through those old rooms, and, you know, you're doing everything at your own pace. When you get some, when you get an item, you go to the place, you use the item, you keep going, that's it. In this one, it's very based around the fact that it's a handheld game, so it's very um, chopped up. It's very compartmentalized. So each mission will be like, okay, you have to go open this gate. You go to the gate. Oh, these ghosts just broke the gate. You have to go find the five parts of the gate. Not a problem. You go find the five parts. Instead of going back to the gate and inserting the five parts into the gate, even though you could do that just as easily, the game zaps you back out, has you go through a whole little thing with EGAD, Professor EGAD, and then you go back to the beginning of the mansion and you have to find your way back to the gate again, opposed to just taking a shortcut back yeah. down I the mean, I will admit, some of those conversations you have with EGAD were kind of hilarious. Well, EGAD's like, awesome. First of all, yeah. this game has a great sense of humor. No, yeah, that's like, a yeah. lot of things he says about his toes. Is like, uh, they, they, one of them actually made me laugh out loud, and that yeah, hardly no, ever he, happens. But um, yeah, he's he got awesome, even more so than in the first game in this one. But I think the only reason I had a real problem with that was because I was playing it, wanting it to be like the first game, even though instead of treating yeah. it like its own thing. I mean, like okay, it's on a handheld. I mean, Resident Evil Revelations did that. By the way, this game thing. gives a lot of Revelations vibes. Just like the, I think just the fact that you're in like an abandoned. Thing. Oh. <laughs> like I kept when I was playing I'm like this reminds me of Revelations like it's quirky it's more cartoony and quirky but it definitely like I feel like I'm playing Revelations with a giant green Joe who's a man oh. <laughs> and has a mustache and is cowardly 
Anyway, you're saying like the opposite. <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's everything that's not like her, I know. But, uh, I don't know, but that, I don't know, I guess that's why the mission structure, the mission structure just really bothered me. It really took me out of it a lot of times. It just, it frustrated me more than... Well, yeah, because it is kind of annoying, because there were moments, literally, where it'd be like, go do this. Oh, you can't do that? You need to go do this? Okay, go do that. And then you're right next to where you needed to do the original thing, after you did the side whatever. Oh, and then yeah. instead of letting you just do it, it zaps you like, out and it puts you like back. Even if, even if the first game did that, where you get sidetracked before you actually get to do what you're supposed to do, the fact that this one is like in missions like it tells you okay you have to do this and you have to yeah. go look for this the first one you kind of just like okay I, I think i'm supposed to be looking for something like mm-hmm. this and you go look for it and like oh i found it so now i'll, I'll just go back one yeah and one, so this one like i guess kind of handholds you through the whole thing except it doesn't at the same time and that's what's confusing well two ways it doesn't is one it doesn't tell you how to do things as much as nintendo games have lately in the sense that it will say like for example it'll be like uh Oh, this is how you use your vacuum, but it won't go. Did you know your vacuum can hold a yeah, so I mean, can hold like, a bucket so, that you then put water in to water this plant to make a key appear to open a door? Yeah, so like, like other clever, Nintendo like, games yeah. would be like, here's how you suck up a bucket. Hint, hint. This one just puts a bucket and some water next yeah, to it. You it, and it you definitely didn't it out. pull a crash mode, but it was still yeah. like. But no, it is very handheld. It literally gives you a checklist of every little task you have to do, which at first I thought was really cool, and I still think it's kind of cool. But at the same time, it loses yeah, some. But of I mean, the, you also, I guess, also have to take consideration. Like, I mean. The game aimed for every odd uh, for every single person. And more of the point, play. so I mean, and more of the point, it's made as a handheld game. They want it to be bite sized, yeah, which like, is why it's so we cut you off here because we need to ensure this level ends so you get a score because it's very score based now. Yeah, which like also like that made me question like like oh man like like I know it has to be mission based or whatever because it's on a handheld, yeah. but then I kept thinking like well why does it have to be on a handheld? Why can't it just be on the Wii U? 3D. And well, why did it? I mean, 3D. No, 3D, that's why the 3D is because the original Luigi's Mansion was prototyped in 3D originally. Oh. The GameCube was gonna be three. They were messing with a 3D attachment or a 3D screen capabilities for the GameCube. It was originally gonna be 3D TVs, which was too expensive, and then they messed with like a prototype attachment screen. Didn't go anywhere. But Luigi's Mansion from the start, uh, Scare Me Mo was like, oh, this would be so cool in 3D. So they're kind of finally. You know, making that dream a reality. That's oh. why it's on 3DS. Yeah, because uh, honestly, I, I, I mean, it would make the most sense on Wii. I mean, I, <laughs> I mean, I get that, but I mean, honestly, I would, I would have preferred it to be on the Wii U and yeah. not have that mission structure than have the 3D. Right. Well, hey, so, Luigi's Mansion Three. You never know. Yeah. This one's probably doing. Quite I mean, well. also like more to reason why. Like, I mean, I just have to accept it for what it is and yeah. just com- not even really compare it to the first one. Yeah. Because um, I was actually talking to some of the students I work with because mm-hmm. I was able to right. ask them about like, right. what they thought about the game. He's a teaching aide for those who may not know. Yeah, so I work with like second Which and third graders. Which is probably so. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like all of you except me. All right. But... So I work with like second and third graders so they're like that perfect age. Yeah. And they like everything about the game. And some of them actually thought it was too difficult. So, Well, it doesn't hold your hand at all. That's what... I mean, yeah. besides, it gives you checklists of, checklists of what to do, but it doesn't tell you how to do Another it. Side, that, exactly. Like some of them thought it didn't tell you enough. The one so. thing that annoyed me about the mission structure the most is each mission you can find, you know, there's stuff to find in every nook and cranny. There's oh. hidden gems. But the problem oh, is, yeah, yeah. you might go on a tangent to some side room that's not really key to the mission. There won't be a gem in there in that mission. In the next mission, you go to that side room, and even though you cleared out that side room in the previous mission, what it does remember, it remembers every treasure you get, you know, if you go early or late or whatever, it will put a special gem there, or it'll put a boo there. Each each level, you can find a hidden boo using the strobe light, and which is actually kind of fun. Um, but if you're, like, in the room and there's not a boo there, then you go back to that room, the next mission, the boo might be there, there might be a hidden gem there, there might be a hidden item there that suddenly wasn't there. Like, you don't know when to expect the item... 
you just have to like keep checking every room over and over again. But the mission structure is supposed to avoid having to do that because it's supposed but to. But you still want to, but go back you still and... need to to find the secrets. So it's like this weird, like it kind of is like an odd juxtaposition. Like they didn't like it clashes with this concept. Yeah, because I mean, especially like in the first mansion, like I made it an effort to go to every single room. Yeah. But then I'm like, okay, it's the second level. I don't have to go to every single room. But for some reason, I just felt like going back, and I'm like, wait, I, like now there's a bunch of money here. So See, now I have yeah. to go back in every single room in every single mission. To that, get the high score. Well, so yeah. that just really... That, that it just kind of makes it a little more repetitive even yeah, in the first game. Yeah. But overall, I mean, these are nitpicks to me at least because I'm still greatly oh, yeah. enjoying it. I love the original Luigi I mean, like after, and I'm having a blast with this one. So. And also, I mean, like looking back, like after like I beat it, like I, I enjoyed it and I would recommend it. But as, you're playing, as I was playing yeah. it, like, I mean... Like, one last thing, like, that I could think of at the top of my head. Like, of course, the, yeah. Like, the Polter Pup. Like, the first time I encountered him, like, it was fine. It was fun. Second time... Just to explain how Polter Pup works is there's this dog that pops up. And you have, and to... You have to find him, basically. Yeah. And so you follow his tracks and you follow, like, little silhouettes of him in the wall. You use the strobe light to reveal the tracks and the silhouettes on the wall. And you have to figure out what room he's in. Yeah, so the first time was, like, fine. Like, oh, okay, this is fun. It's like, go hide and seek. Second time was kind of annoying just because I and don't they do it like 20 times yeah. yeah well not 20 times but yeah they, they do it a few times too. it's like yeah it overstayed yeah, its welcome yeah. in your mind I, I'd re- yeah yeah. but I mean overall I mean but the thing is back, I like the mission structure I just but don't I don't like... remember those things like when I right. think right. I'm about the game overall and I do like the mission structure I just don't like how the hidden objects don't stay across yeah that would have that would have Probably either leave the rooms out if they're not necessary, which wouldn't make sense, or let the but just make sure that there's nothing in there. Or so, let the so if I do be, go yeah. back and check, and I go, okay, there is nothing in here. There's no point in me going through every single room five times. Right, exactly. I agree. But it's, overall, especially because the mansions are smaller, so like you literally only really need to go into each room like once. Yeah, the once. mansions are definitely smaller. It's yeah. like there's maybe like the ten mission- or twelve, maybe fifteen rooms. Yeah, like, there are just enough rooms for you to complete every mission once. Like, the yeah. Polter Pup is really the only reason you'll ever have to backtrack. Yeah, the only reason you backtrack in this game, besides Polter Pup of trying to find the missing items or whatever, is because you want to beat your high score. It's not like you have to go... With the exception of hidden objects, you don't, at least in my experience through the first two mansions, you don't have to go back to a room you've been to find a new secret in the room that wasn't previously there, unless you're talking hidden object. Like, yeah. the main objects, the main goals, always take you to new rooms. Yeah. Which is nice, because it keeps it fresh. But if you try and get, it, if you try and make it a collectathon and get everything, then you're backtracking. You don't even know where you're backtracking because it doesn't really tell you, which makes sense because they're hand. But you know, it, that's the issue with the that we're talking about the hand objects. Yeah. So it's kind of weird to end it on that note, unless there's something else you want to add. But uh, I just want to say it is a really good so, game. I mean, These I'll, are nitpicks. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's, like, it's just because we're so passionate about the first game. Because we love it so much that we're, we're passionate about. Yeah, we love both this one and the first one so much that we're like. Well, we could have done this better and that. I'm actually going to go back and play the first one again just because I want to. But yeah, no, it's a really solid game. It has great personality. Yeah. It's, I highly recommend If you own a 3DS, this is one of those games you just have to play. Definitely play through the end. Some of the stuff that happens, like the conversation's pretty fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm only on the the second, tail end of the second mansion, so. You'll be there by Monday. We'll see. (laughs) But But um, I would say it's like one giant leap forward from mm -hmm. the first one and like maybe. A couple baby steps back. Yeah, maybe, maybe like a baby step or two back. Yeah. Nice yeah, no, I think, um, and really, it shows the th- how the 3DS. It doesn't use Street Pass at all, which I thought was kind of interesting. It's the first first part in time game in a while to not use Street Pass, but it's kind of like if you don't need it, why put it? Like if there's no real reason why I put it. In. But, but ignoring Street Pass, it's really a great showcase of the 3DS's 3D abilities, and it's just really fun. And you know, it's been 12 years in the making, yep. indirectly. It's been three years in active development. So, yeah, I uh, highly recommend it if you're willing to deal with the very small nitpicks we have. Switching mm-hmm. gears from that major game to a major eShop game, 
uh, Harmonite. Once again, we both have played it. Uh, it's an eShop tile. costs 15 bucks. $14.99. It's from Game Freak, the developers of Pokemon. It's their second non-Pokemon title. The first being the excellent Drill Dozer on Game Boy Advance. You really missed out. It's a really fun game. But anyway, Harmonite. Um, should we just do the same thing where I'll just start and then you kind of leap in and fill in the voids I leave well, out? Someone that really loves music games, I'll, I'll wait, yeah. <laughs> well, if you love music games, then you should check Rhythm it. games, I should say. Yeah, well, okay. Because I don't so, know you want to count Guitar Hero on those. Right, let's fine. first talk about what the game is in a general sense. So Harmonite is a rhythm platformer. You're going to be traveling. In the game, you follow young Tempo. Yeah, Tempo. And his rabbit assist and his rabbit sidekick Tappy, yep. who's the only non musically named game, uh, non music directly he just musical. I know. Oh, true. By the way, you he know tapped. his feet. You know his feet look kind of like piano keys. Like he has like two white keys and one little black key in the middle. Well, then there you go. Anyway, uh, so you travel through multiple. Do tap keys. Yes. Yeah. So you travel through multiple worlds, each which has a different musical theme. So there's rock, calypso classical etc and one kind of cool thing is all the overworld themes for each world are the same tune but remixed into each style which i thought was kind of a neat touch but anyway so you're going world by world you're completing side going rhythm platforming kind of like you know kind of like bit trip or one of those games but slowed down but it's the same like you're auto running you're just interacting yeah, it's with like a like i don't want to say an easier bit trip but it it's, a simpler, was, it's a simpler yeah, it's a simpler bit, bit trip. trip so you're doing side going rhythm platforming levels like bit trip you're no, also it's doing, not as stressful yeah, you're also doing isometric angle, like that kind of two-thirds angle boss fights, where you're not even, it's still auto-running, but all you have to do is like, it'll do like, here comes some enemies. Yeah, it'll be like, here comes some enemies. Uh, you have to hit the first two and jump, so it will give you the command of like, hit, hit, jump, jump, and then you go, hit, hit, jump, jump, to the music. So there's those, and there's also some other little mixed-in challenges, like there's a neat little Space Channel 5-esque dance-off with an octopus ballerina named Octarina. Yep. Because, you know... Because they, why not? Yeah, mm-hmm. because why not? And so, you know, it's a nice variety of stuff. Like they And, and on top of that, they also have um, every level you beat, if you get... Uh, actually, every level you beat, you can then play at double speed. And if you get at double speed, you then unlock a picture representing that level. So there's, like, a good amount of content. And double speed is hard for some of them. So there's, you know, there's a good amount of content. Um, and I'd say overall, it is a lot of fun. They're, like, that... Um, like, that variety really does, like, I really enjoyed the Octarina thing, even though it always popped up a couple times. Like, I don't know why, it's just like, oh, this is awesome. And, like, even, you know, the platforming's fun, the boss battles, the left and right on the D-pad, because sometimes it'd be like, left, left, right. I don't know, it took me a while to get the timing right on those, but... Oh, okay. Yeah, but, uh, I don't know, something about it just didn't feel as, like, I really did enjoy it, but it doesn't feel very rhythmic, almost. Like, let, let me explain. So... Yeah, okay, how it works is A, you hit A to swing a little music mallet thing that hits enemies to the yeah, music. Yeah, music on it, yeah. Yeah, or you can hit background plants. So there's like little drum plants and little cymbal plants. And if you hit them, they'll go like, booch. That's my great impression of a drum and a cymbal, booch. To the, uh, it'll do those to the rhythm, obviously, but they're background. You don't need to hit them. They're for like extra. But I feel like the music only, for the most part, it, the song only comes together either if you use the background plants or you don't use the background plants. If you try and use some of the background background plants and then miss them, you feel like you're out of rhythm. If you don't do them for the most part but then accidentally hit one, you're like, what's that extra note? And you like, kind of lose the rhythm. Like, it's weird. They're optional and they're there for those who want a high score and they're great. But, like, there are times that, like, I'd be doing the background notes but then I'd throw off, like, my beat with the main thing because it's almost like extra notes that get added to the music more than... 
actual parts of music. So if you're going through and you're doing every single one, it makes like a new flow for the music. But if you want to do them like occasionally, it kind of like is jarring. Like it feels like there's like two rhythms going or something. It's weird. Uh-huh. Like I don't know how Barrett's got. Like it felt later levels. It as I progressed through the game, and I got I think I'm on the fifth world or yeah fifth world right now. As I progressed through right, it, almost it, done. It's yeah. Six. As I progressed through it, it it definitely got more rhythmic, no doubt. But in the beginning, I was really like. Something's off here. I don't know. Like, I kept playing it just because, you know, it was fun, but it just felt a little off to me. Uh, I don't uh, know. But I'm not good at keeping rhythm. I, so. I, 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 made, I made it a point for myself to not miss anything at all. Every single yeah. figure. Like, see, every try, single symbol and... See, I try and hit plants. everything. I've been sure... Like, I try and get a gold on every one. They rate them... You, you're rated in three tiers when you play. And this is another mm-hmm. possible problem with the game, is that it doesn't give you a grade. It gives you one of three tiers. So if you fail, if you get under the threshold of how many notes to beat the level, you get so-so. If you get enough to progress, you get good. And I'm trying to imitate its tone. And if you get above a cer- certain number of levels, not necessarily, I mean, notes, not necessarily a perfect, but above a certain number, you get great, and it's gold. So I've been trying to get gold in every one, but I don't even need to hit every symbol or every drum to do it. And that's kind of why I'm like, oh, well, I'll just hit what I can, but then it throws off my rhythm. I don't know. It's, like, it's kind of a weird... Like, I really enjoy... I really enjoyed my time at the game. It just, like, stuck out as, this is odd. And that might, that might be why, like, the boss battles and the Octarina thing better, because it was, like, you were strictly following the rhythm. There was no optional extra rhythm. Yeah, it was just... Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, the game itself is pretty charming. It's just... I'm using charming a lot today as a way of describing the games. But really, all these games have had... Per- they have personality. But, it has a very kitty look to it. Yeah, I was gonna say, it's like, charming, and it has a lot of personality, but... It does feel bit on the case side, even by Nintendo standards, which says a lot. Like something, I think it's just like the dialogue and how Tappy's like holding your hand the whole way through. I know, like, it's like my like, my brother played the demo and he felt embarrassment watching. I mean, playing the game. Dude, I was like, I'm never playing this outside ever. <laughs> like, it just felt. And I got just like, it's like, hey, Tempo, we have to go to the city and save Master Woodwind and all the heart people. And it's like, what? <laughs> It's like super colorful and cartoony, which Drill Dozer did well, did as well, but it felt it had, less kitty. Well, Drill Dozer had a different aesthetic to it. It did. Yeah, it, did. it had more of like an edgy, yeah, edgy, hard edgy. line. That's true. Thing. And That's this one true. is more like roughly sketched like a little kid drew it. Yeah. I did, well, well, sort of. Kind of, yeah, yeah, it's very pastel. I mean, you know what it is? It's I mean, a lot of pa- bold pastel colors with not much detail. Well, that's what I mean. Like, all, like all the cutscenes, like they're all like the lines aren't very straight. They're yeah, like one, all like kind one of, thing. They look very sketched on. One thing I will say though, those cutscenes look really awesome. They're like comic book panels come to life. Like it pans around like a comic book panel, so you don't fill the screen all the way. You'll see like one thing that takes up two thirds of the screen. They'll cut to this vertical thing that takes up half the screen. That's really cool. And it, within the panels are animated. And I thought that I didn't think that was that case. I thought like the actual look of the main game felt kind of on the case side but that doesn't usually stop me and i mean it, it does have personality it all fits that kind of kiddiness like first of all one clever thing is everything in the game is musical every character is named after something related to music they look like things related to music there's a archer you meet who her uh what do you call the thing that carries the arrows harp no no the, oh a harp is a quibble, what, a quibble. yeah that quibble her quit whatever it is looks like a harp and her name's Lyra, which I think has something to do with heart. Oh, her bow looks like a heart. They both did. The thing, oh, that's her bow on her back, isn't it? Yeah, like the bow. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, like the bow heart. looks like a heart. There we go. No, her, her arrow holder looks like a part of a heart, too. It looks like the back, the, the main staff of the heart. Oh, well, it's fine. They both are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so she's like, she's like a heart, and there's a, guy named, there's a guy named Tycho who, like, look, who like a Tycho drum, who uh, 
is this big brute guy that kind of resembles a drum. <laughs> but, you know, everything. And he uses a big drum. And he uses a, a big drum. drum. Yep. And like a master woodwind is your like mentor guy at the beginning of the game, and he uh, looks like he looks like well, he has a clarinet reed on his head with a couple, you know, like a woodwind would have. Yeah. Uh, what else? All the villager, all the people in the main city, which you get to like second world and the second world. They all look like different instruments. I just like, wow, this is attention to detail. That's what I love about Game Freak is they always do attention to detail. Unfortunately, they went a little too kiddy in my mind, but they still did a great job with what they did. So, um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else I was going to say about it. No, no, uh, I mean, we all know the real reason a lot of people bought this game for the Pokemon. Remixes. Yeah, that's true. There are Pokemon games, unlike in the demo for those who have played it, they're not b- built into the core story. You, when you beat a world, you can go to a separate stage selector. That's how you access the double speed levels and in the stage selector you can then go to it took me forever to find these they're like hidden you go through the stage selector you go world by world you go past the first world all the way to like what would be world zero and only there do you start seeing the pokemon stages and they're just kind of there like you you can beat them you can get a high score but they don't factor into the main story whatsoever yeah but if you beat the if you get a a great ranking on the normal speed and the double speed you unlock um concept art yeah no yeah that's cool too yeah i think i said that when i said the illustrate maybe i didn't but, um, yeah, no, but I'm just saying, like, the Pokemon thing's just kind of there. It's not really integrated. It's cool. It's great fan service, but it's not really integrated into the game as much as the demo would lead you to believe. Because in the demo, it's like, look, a special stage appeared. And oh, it's, like, floating yeah, next yeah, to you yeah, in yeah, the yeah, clouds. I, I see what you mean, but I'm kind of glad they just kept it to the side. It yeah. is nice that on the Pokemon level, they actually went out of their way to make, like, a Pikachu blimp and rock-shaped, like, the legendary Pokemon. Yeah, and they had, like, Pokeball like uh, hot air balloons. And, yeah. yeah, so they actually put a lot of... Like, oh, yeah, like, totally. There's, like, a snow one where they have, like, vanilla, it's, like, the ice cream yeah no they put a lot of effort into it definitely but um one other thing worth mentioning is we were talking about how you have to collect notes probably should mention this uh note collection is how you keep the beat every emmy you hit you get a note every note you hit you get a chime in the music that adds to music you know every note you walk through or jump to catch so that's really the core thing is you're collecting notes and that's what's keeping the rhythm because everything you do makes a note appear and that note is the rhythm uh also what was i gonna say oh yeah 3d we should probably mention 3d so the game is a 3DS game, which means there is 3D. Uh, for the most part, it's a 2D side-scroller. The isometric angle, like the two-thirds view angle, boss battles, they do kind of go into the screen. So that's kind of easy. When they're 3D. shooting at you. Like, yeah, but the cool, yeah, the coolest stuff in 3D, in my opinion, when uh, you do get to control that archer and that taiko drum guy occasionally, and those, the archer in particular, she's shooting into the screen, and the dogs or whatever the enemies are are kind of shooting back at you. And all the enemies have uh, music names, by the way. Like, the dogs are... Uh, I don't remember what they are, but the the big bad guys are the noisy ears. Nosoids. Nosoids, there we go. But, uh, yeah, so she's, like, shooting into the screen, or, like, uh, sometimes when you whack an Emmy, if you do, like, a... There's a lot of, like, you know, three Emmys in a row or whatever, so they'll be like, bum, 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 or whatever. When you hit that last note, they'll shoot either back away from the screen or, like, towards you, and there'll be, you know, an extra music note floating in front of us, and that's how you get it. Things like that. Like, it uses the 3D decently, but it's not going to make or break it. It's just kind of neat little touches. Yeah. Apparently it started as a DS game, so that would explain why it's kind of minimal 3D. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah, and nice. Everything's nice and yeah, it's very, it's very smooth. Polished. It's, definitely. Is there anything you want to add? I mean, you didn't have the rhythm trouble I had, but... Mm, I don't know. I mean, it feels fun. Probably, I guess, maybe... Do you think it was worth a full I... 15? It cost fourteen ninety nine, which is on the high end for an eShop game. I don't think very many eShop uh... games. I think Pokedex Pro is like the only other thing at that price. I would say barely... Yeah, I would Barely. say I would say it is and it isn't. It is just because for, um, because I mean, Bit Trip, I mean, Runner Two was also fifteen, I think, right? No, Runner Two is twenty. 
Oh, well, either way, like, <laughs> I guess just after playing that game, mm-hmm. like, this one didn't feel as great, just because I felt like, I mean... Well, in terms of, of, like, sheer amount of content and, like... Yeah, that's what I mean, well... But, I mean, it's fun, I would... Eh, maybe 10 bucks would be more fair. Yeah, that's right. Well, here's the thing, it... Production value is that of a retail game, no doubt. It feels like a retail game. It looks really, like a retail game. Because really, like, total gameplay, to, to beat the game, it took me maybe, like, no more than three hours for sure. See, it's taking me longer because there's these drums you have to land on, and you hit B right in time with the drum to jump off the drum and get a jump boost. And I went back multiple I cannot, times. By the way, just to be clear, I cannot do those drums. Because oh. you know in most rhythm games, like well, I, this sort... I, I did those many, many, many times when yeah. we were driving up to the hobby. But you, yeah, but, but you that's know... that's because you had music playing, so that didn't help. But you, No, no, no. But you know how like in most rhythm games, you like you hit... You, when you press B or whatever, you're pressing it in anticipation of the hit. I know, that's why you're... In this one, you press it on the hit. Like, yeah, you, add, you, you, you want to hit the drum to go to the only... rhythm, not to your instinct of normal. Yeah, rhythm. and I'm not good at rhythm, as I've stated. So as such, I swear there's one level I've been like, because I beat it normally. I got good, but I want to get great. <laughs> so, so I'm good, but I want to be great. So I think I spent 45 minutes on that one level. I'm not even kidding. But anyway, uh, yeah, I think it'd be a good. I mean, the production value is really good, but the game is on the shore side. Ten bucks, maybe if it ever hits a sale on the eShop like the Pokedex Pro is right now. Definitely, it's definitely worth picking up at 10, I'd say, just because of the Game Freak charm. 15, if you like rhythm games, check it out. If you're on the fence, try the demo. I think that's the best way to judge it. Um, yeah, because, I mean, if you really like rhythm games, like I do, I or really me. enjoyed it. So I, 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 I thought it was worth the 15 bucks, but I could see... No, I, I'm happy with the 15, but I can see oh, yeah. someone that's yeah, not... That's right. Yeah. So, um, I do want to say, though, that if nothing else, this game has made me very excited about the possibility of Game Freak doing more non-Pokemon games, because I love Pokemon, but they are definitely... Like, they can do a great amount of stuff when they're not doing Pokemon 2. Drill Dozer was amazing. This is pretty good. I, I'm really excited to see what they do next. And I hope this does well so they have a reason to keep doing you know, quirky little side projects outside the eShop. That's my two cents. And also that, uh, unless there's something you want to add, I think that pretty much wraps up episode 40. No, not that I can think of. Alright then. Um, in that case, a couple things. Uh, we encourage you to, as we always do, Please follow us, friend us on uh, Meverse if you want. You know, be in touch and see what we're playing and play against us and whatnot. Uh, I'm JS. Well, I'm Jason R. J S O N R. He's Wero. W E I R O underscore O. We're also on. <laughs> that's a very dramatic, a very dramatic one. Um, he's also, and I are also on Twitter. He's same name. I'm JSR7. So if you want our takes on various, I keep it stuff, simple for everybody. Yeah, I don't. Well, JSR7, I couldn't do on on uh, Twitter or on Meverse because they insist on five characters four characters anyway um, yeah so follow us on there also follow Random Nintendo on Twitter at Random Nintendo to stay up to date on the latest episodes and the latest extras you can also subscribe to us on iTunes so you don't miss an episode and speaking of extras um, we posted our flashback volume 3 just the other day on the site our, we pick our favorite Nintendo 64 games the choices might surprise you you might think we go Mario 64, Zelda Ocarina of Time, Banjo-Kazooie. Banjo-Kazooie. You might be wrong. You might be right. Only one way to know, and that's to click the link. If that That's verbal link baiting, if you're wondering what that is. Also, uh, stay tuned to the site. We've got more extras coming up, including a look at a long-forgotten Nintendo handheld. I don't really want to spoil what it will be, but check back in about a week's time, and you will see what it is. And then, of course, in two weeks, we will be back with more news and impressions, and presumably for real this time, a new Nintendo Direct with some Wii U release dates, because there is nothing coming out. <laughs> and if not, we'll just keep saying that. And if not, we'll keep saying it until there is, so I can finally be like, I'm right! So, uh, we will see you for our next episode on April 21st, but like I said, do check the site between them. We're going to have all sorts of goodies up on the site, and uh, yeah, we'll see you in two weeks. Bye.